Hi, welcome to the Xbox World Christmas podcast. Woo! Happy Christmas, everyone out there. We hope you're well and uh, ready to enjoy uh, eating your body weight More than in that, we chocolate. People have found the time to download our podcast before yeah. Christmas because this is a bit of a risk releasing a podcast <laughs> it is. this close. It's, uh, Happy it's, Boxing Day, everyone. Yeah, it's a risk. It's a risk, but we'll, so, it's a risk worth taking. But anyway. I'm Tim, uh, the guys will say hello and we'll, we'll crack on. Yes, I'm here, I'm Mike, hello. I'm Jim and I say hello too. Uh, I'm Matt and I guess I better say hi as well. So uh, we're going to talk about Christmas today, unsurprisingly, because it's Christmas. Um, we're going to talk about uh, games the next year as well. Uh, and then probably just some other random stuff that yeah. crops up like we normally do. Usual. Um, deep theology. That's so let's kick it. Last last podcast, uh, we didn't kick off the games portion of it for about 20 minutes. So <laughs> and let's, when we did, we were there for about 30 seconds. Yeah. So let's talk about games, first of all. Uh, let's talk about uh, the games of next year, uh, which is... Uh, we've literally just finished the issue that's on sale in January. And uh, one of the things that really cropped up consistently was just what a strong year 2011 is set to be for the Xbox. Perhaps its strongest ever. I, don't know. I want to be on sale. I was chatting to the guys on PSM about this and they were saying, Dan Dawkins on Ed's for PSM. He said, this is amazing. He said, almost out of nowhere. It looks like one of the strongest years for games ever. I said, out of nowhere? I've been saying this for six months. For six months, as all of these amazing <coughs> games started to get delayed and delayed and delayed and moved back into next year, you start seeing like next year gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And then out of nowhere, the VGAs come along, mm. announce another six huge, huge games yeah. for yeah. 2011. It's just... It's crazy, isn't it's, it? Again, we're looking at a situation where we could be looking at the best year of the generation. So let, let's reel off a few. Batman, Gears of War 3, Mass Effect 3, Elder Scrolls 5. Yeah, Forza 4. Forza 4. These are big games. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. It won't be Modern Warfare 3 next year. No, you reckon? Maybe the Sledgehammer game next year, I think. I don't know. The the studio's in too much disarray. They could could only have got back up to full capacity right now. There's no way they're going to get Modern Warfare 3 out in time for next year. The thing is, though, is that, I mean, there's whether whether Infinity War can get it out and whether Activision want them to get it out. And the Mm -hmm. the thing is with Infinity War is they haven't got that uh, Sam Peller and West buffer that they perhaps had before. True enough, but they do have, like I say, Sledgehammer working on... Yeah. And, you know, Modern Warfare 3 is the wrap-up of that trilogy. They can, they can afford to put it off for another year and give Treyarch two years on their next game, you know? Mm. If they go into a three-year cycle rather than a two, it could be really good for yeah. them. I don't know. I reckon, they'll, I reckon they'll still do that, still do Modern Warfare 3 this year. But anyway, we'll, we'll wait and see. Battlefield we'll, we'll, 3. We'll find out around about April time, probably. Yeah. Battlefield 3 for next year as well. Big one. Um, what else have we got? Bulletstorm. Bulletstorm, Crisis Two, Crisis, Test Drive Unlimited, Test Drive, Red Faction, Deus Ex, Red Faction, Portal Two, Homefront, Assassin's Three. There's well, there probably will be an Assassin's Three, almost certainly Assassin's Three. So it's a, it's insane. The thing is, it's not just you got these massive games as well, but because of the Connect as well, there's also going to be a more interesting, like bubbling under series of games. Absolutely, which obviously you know that interests me. Loads of big games from Japan. I mean, we got the Panzer Dragoon sequel we've been waiting for years for. We've got the Res sequel we've been waiting years for. We've got the Steel Battalion sequel we've been waiting years for. Of course, only Steel Battalion actually gets the name of the game that it's based on. You got all these big games which have you know come out of nowhere for Connect, and they're all going to be huge. And these are these are great games. These are great creators working on really good games. I think it's really weird that so many Japanese developers have taken to Connect. I think probably with a lot of encouragement from Microsoft. Yeah. When let's face it, ain't nobody in Japan going to be buying a Connect. No, I mean they're presumably developing a lot of those. The games box that for... Connect comes in is bigger than most Japanese homes. You yeah. Know? It's like it's not going to happen. 
they're presumably developing a lot of those games with the the West in mind. Absolutely. Um, so well, that's been you know, uh, Child of Eden was debuted at E3 mm. on the Ubisoft stage. Well, not at the TGS. They, they were you know aiming that at the Western market for sure. Yeah. So um, I guess the first game out of the blocks next year is is Dead Space Two, the first big game anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, Matt, that's a game you've been playing pretty much non-stop for the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I've reviewed it, unfortunately. Uh, Mike, actually, and Mike's been playing it as well. I can't really talk much about it, sadly. No, well, you can talk a little bit about it, though, can't you? Around embargo. But it's reviewed now for our issue out um, mid-Jan, end of Jan, 19th of Jan, to be precise. Um, and it's great. I mean, everyone knows that the first Dead Space was wonderful. It, that did kind of come out of nowhere. Mm. We got behind it in a big way. And we were always, always expecting you know, big things from the sequel. And I would say on most counts, it delivers. It delivers, yeah. Interesting sort of position Visceral were in this time because, like you say, the first game came out of nowhere. No one really expected them to deliver a game like Dead no. Space first time off. Uh, but this time there's a lot more expectation on their shoulders. Yeah, I, th- I think it was funny as well when Dead Space came out. Everyone was looking forward to Resi 5 a few months down the line. And then when mm-hmm. Resi 5 did finally emerge, like people realised, shit, Capcom kind of lost it a bit. You know, Resi wasn't anywhere near as good as <coughs> we, we all thought, as we'd hoped. And Dead Space, looking back, was the better the, better the game out of the two. Um, and Dead Space 2 is Visceral's chance to really, you know, stamp their authority on the genre mm. and say, look, last gen, you know, Capcom did wonderful, wonderful job. But this year, this, this generation of consoles, you know, this genre belongs to Visceral. And I honestly think they have done that. Um, and I'm interested to see, you know, Capcom's rebuttal to that. I can't wait to see when the next Resi is finally announced what they're going to do to try and fight back. Because at the moment, you know, all the uh, momentum is with Visceral. And I think, you know, Dead Space 2 was wonderful and there's going to be a Dead Space 3. Uh, we know that for sure. Um, at the end of the game, when the credits roll, um, in, the, in the thanks column... Um, where everyone says, oh, thanks to my wife, oh, I've had a new baby girl and stuff. Someone just ignored their family completely and said, you know, Dead Space 2 was great and we haven't even started yet. So you know that they're already thinking about the, the next one and it's going to be interesting how they, you know, what they can do to top the first one and this one. Never um, count Capcom out one. there, man. Never count those guys Oh, no, I'm not. Because, That's uh, what I'm really excited to see what they're going to do the, with the, the next problem one. The problem Capcom have had this generation is they've been a really westward-looking company. And they've been looking at the wrong things. Mm. They made mistakes. For example, they looked at the West and they were like, what does the West like? What online play? Well, in that case, let's make, um, let's make Resident Evil a co-op yeah. game. It didn't work for them. They looked at the West and they said, you know, let's, uh, what, what else do they like? They're Cover-based like, oh, they, shooters. They love, they love co-op. And they love co-op. They love that. So, oh, yeah, let's yeah. just take this, this Lost Planet game, which was a real big success mm. on the Xbox, even in the West, it's, uh, which was basically a stealth mech game. You know, it, they snuck it in. Uh, and they're like, oh, we'll make that into a four-player kind of co-op mm. loot-and-shoot kind of thing. Again, didn't work out for yeah. them. I think they finally might have, with, with a bit of luck, they've got to the point in the generation where they're like, you know what, we need to... We're looking at the wrong things. I think they re- their biggest successes this generation have been things like Street Fighter. Mm. And the resolutely Japanese, even though the second game was made by a West, uh, Western studio, that's um, Dead Rising. Yeah. You know, they... That's been their big hits. And they, they should know that being Japanese is their strength, you know, being... A resolutely Japanese company is what makes them strong. I had a very long discussion uh, about this with Dale on our last Insider Cast, I think it was. I think it was issue 99. So it might be on 100s, actually. Uh, in fact, I think it is um, saying about what Resi needs, specifically Resi, what they need to do. And I, there are encouraging things coming out of Capcom because they've been talking a lot about their two 3DS games. 
And what they're going to do with the Resi games on 3DS is very much take it back to its roots, like use the mechanics that they've established now with Resi 4 and since Resi 5. The 3DS game will be back, what tells you, right? Yeah, but look back to the old Resi, which was about conserving ammo, which was yeah. about, you know, ratcheting down the pace a few notches. Don't have millions of like. I think the reason they're doing that for the 3DS chasing. though is because the 3DS it couldn't handle that like, stuff on the 3DS. Admittedly, not, that, that might be the that case. Level, that, that level of graphical fidelity, which is pr- it's the best looking game on 3DS, oh, without no question. Um, and at that level of graphical fidelity, you can't. But put I think out of those restrictions, they're going to rediscover themselves because so. what they did with the final piece of Resi Five downloadable content in Lost in Nightmares, they did a reimagined kind of Spencer Mansion, and it was just empty for the first hour. I, I was hoping a zombie would pop up. It didn't, but. Uh, there you go. They, with that Spencer Mansion, everyone who downloaded it thought it was wonderful. It was like the first Resi, but with the new mechanics. Yeah. And everyone realised it could work. I think the feedback they got from that, and then ultimately we'll see what will happen with a 3DS. But if they do a similar thing and people seem to like it, I think Resi 6, you're going to well, Resi look 6 will be something. well under development already, for yeah. sure. And I think that our first preview Resident Evil 6 will be Resident Evil Re- Revelations. Of course, it's not a, you know, that will be the first telling of what the direction they want for the series from now on. Unfortunately, that game's not coming for a long time. I ain't no launch game. It'll be it's their Mercenaries no. game, which is the launch, which is the early. And we all know what game. Mercenaries is. Anyway, well, yeah, so. Mercenaries we're very well accustomed to. You know, it's just it's, that's their action game, which is good. If they're splitting the franchise into two, that's great. And it seems like they will because it sounds like from what we're hearing, the SOCOM team, PlayStation 3's old SOCOM team, they're working on um, a Resident Evil shooter. Essentially, mm. they're working on a co-op. A squad-based Resident Evil shooter, you know, a game where it's possibly a little bit like the old Outbreak games, was it? Outbreak, Outbreak, yeah, Outbreak. Where where it's like a a a co-op team where you have to all survive, you know. I mean, that's so exciting because Outbreak was a wonderful, wonderful idea. It just came a generation too early. You're talking about an online shooter on the PlayStation 2. Really poorly executed. But in this gen, I mean, Outbreak would really work Zombie well, Elephant so. as well. Zombie Elephants, yeah. Zombie Zoo, yeah. Zombie Fighter Zoo. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, so by splitting a series into two, where one's your act, big action game and the other's your horror game, they could do some really cool things, yeah. you know, and that, I think that's, that's the right move. It really yeah. is the right move. Resident Evil 6, maybe we'll hear about it at the, uh, E3. I wouldn't bank on it. No, I wouldn't bank TGS on it. TGS possibly. I mean, TGS mm. is October, November time. It's well, possible. they've got Captivate in April, but they're probably saving other early, things for yeah, that. Way too early, yeah, way too early. That'll be where we really show Tekken X Street Fighter, Cross Street Fighter, then. Well, Street Fighter Cross Tekken. It'll be interesting. Mike, was it uh, in the office? Uh, were you talking about Namco, I think? It wasn't uh, Capcom when you said that they were looking to take a lot of their Western development back in house in, into Japan. Was it you who was saying that? No, it, was it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Might have been Matt, maybe. Mm. Someone, was, someone was reading that about how one of the companies, I'm pretty sure it was Namco, had said that they, they'd not really liked what their Western Western. Uh, development partners had put out for them over the past year or so, so they were going to take a lot of the well, development back. Ca- in. Capcom have certainly been saying that as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Capcom have done a, a lot of games where they, 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 the games didn't work out for them. Bionic Commando is obviously a big one. Dark Void was another big one. Dark Void, yeah. I mean, these were even even Dead Rising too. I mean, it was good, but it would it didn't didn't exactly set the world alight and sales wise, you know. Yeah. And then the charts it sort of appeared and then disappeared. But I think so. Blue Castle did precisely what Capcom wanted them yeah, to do, exactly. which was yeah. an identical yeah. game. But you know what you've got. Now? Now is Capcom are working with like a lot of Japanese partners on their next set of games. Uh, the Steel Battalion game isn't being made by Capcom; it's being made by the Crownhounds team at, uh, at From Software, which is <coughs> really exciting. I mean, <coughs> Crownhounds is a game which got really bad reviews because everybody reviewed it offline early on, back in the uh, early days of the 360. It was a launch game, I think, or very early in the, the game in the life of the system. And um, got his face kicked in because Sega didn't provide the infrastructure to, for anyone to review it online. 
Take that game online that was an exceptional, truly exceptional game. Very slow paced, very measured, very different. You'd have to, yeah, you, you know, you'd, if you couldn't talk to people if they were too far away from you, you had to have someone as a relay between the two of you, like carrying the radio signal. There are lots of clever ideas like that which make you play the game in a very different style to what you'd normally play it. It's like a fast mech in that game ain't fast, you know? It's still a slow thing. So you've got the, 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 you've got the so called fast mech sprinting out across like an eight mile battlefield. Get into a sniper position, and yeah, it goes too far. He's out of radio contact. You know, he's got to count on being alone for a while. Me to count on you to catch up later on. Really clever game, and they're making that connect enabled. We'll see what happens with it. Mm. So, let's talk a little bit about the games we're personally excited about in the in the years to come. I mean, there's the obvious ones, I guess. But um, Mike, you're one of your games that you're really psyched about. I know is is Deus Ex. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the thing about Deus Ex 3, which so appeals, I mean, there's a lot of things. It's beautiful for starters, it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, so we've seen a lot of um, gameplay demos at this point, which um, I also never really made public. It was a long time before they showed the public footage, and I can see why. The, the game I saw being played live was a little, bit, a little bit patchy in places, but, you know, it's a complicated game. Of course it was patchy. Now it's looking better by the day. The game's actually finished at this point. You can play it through from beginning to end. They're just polishing and polishing. I think the delay... Moving it back to April is a tactical delay rather than a, a, you know, a design one. They have to move it out of the way of things like Crisis 2 and out of the way of things like Bulletstorm. They don't want to run headfirst into that. It's just going to be damaging. So the, the key thing, I think, which makes the game appeal so much is that it really is Deus Ex. They haven't really subtracted anything. It's just been additive design. If, if you're going to take anything out of Deus Ex, you would take out the box stacking. The box stacking was bullshit back then. It's bullshit now, but they've left it in. They've left it in because they didn't want to take anything out that people loved about the original Deus Ex. They've just taken everything from the original Deus Ex, added to it, and then made it all better. So now you, you've got a stealth system which works much more nicely because you can hop into third person, look at, peek around corners and so on. You've got <coughs> an upgrade system which is just much more easier to navigate, an uh, inventory system which is much easier to navigate, but you've still got that complexity. You've still got... The full inventory system where you've got to stack, you know, you've got to, you've got to slot your items into the allocated spaces, and you have an upgrade system where every single upgrade has its own tech tree. And so you're not only are you picking what you want to upgrade, you're picking how you want to upgrade it. You've got all of this complexity in there, just a much more streamlined interface, mm. and it's it's it feels like they're really making a game from the future, but that's the thing, DSX back in like 2000 felt like a game from the future. Mm. And nobody rose to the challenge. Warren Spector threw down the gauntlet and said, right, here's what games in the future are gonna be like. And everyone, I think, was kind of intimidated by what he set out. It was a really tough game to make. You play it now, it's still an amazing game. The AI perhaps a little unforgiving. It's a little bit um, ugly. It doesn't really have any art design at all. If you look back, it's just like kind of very Blue, very leather, very sunglasses. Mm. You know, it's very typical sci-fi. Yeah. It's the same, same. It's basically the same future that was in Syndicate and yeah. countless other games. Um, perfect dark, even like you know, it's like it's a very sort of cheesy cyberpunky future. But this Deus Ex has got a real vision of the future. It's got its own look, a totally unique look, a version of future you haven't seen. We saw a game the other day um, where someone said, you know, it's very much, this, this sci-fi vision is very much inspired by Blade Runner. In fact, we've seen two games that are like that, neither of which I can mention. They were, the, artist, the lead artist has said we're very much inspired by Blade Runner. And you, and you, and you sit there and you go, well, I can see. Mm. Yes, I know. But this game, 
the you know the lead artist uh, Jean-Jacques Botet said you know of course, yeah, of course I was inspired by Blade Runner I was also inspired by this thing and that thing and Ghost in the Shell and these architecture magazines I was reading oh and let me show you this uh, this book on uh, on fashion I've been reading mm. and he's got this he's just like dishing out all of these different things and what it's led to is an art style which isn't Blade Runner you can see a little bit of Blade Runner in there it's not Shadowrun you can see a little bit of Shadowrun in there you can see a little bit of Ghost in the Shell in fact you can see a lot of Ghost in the Shell in the mech designs and the prosthetics designs but it's very much its own vision mm. very much its own like future it's pretty hard to find a futuristic video game that isn't inspired by Blade Runner. They all are, aren't they? Exactly. They so all are. They're and all going to have a flavour of it. Uh, but this one is like, it, it takes Blade Runner as like the barest starting point and builds its own completely unique look. And it really is a unique look. It's it's not the steely, no, cold look of... It's a very warm, yeah. very, or a very earth tone look. Golds yeah. everywhere. Golds, Golds and yeah. yellows and browns. One of, the, uh, one of the most interesting things, I thought, was the interview you did with him a few months back where he, he was talking about... Um, humanism and what it means to be a human and you know and the and how they've done such an incredible amount of reading about it and yeah i mean the the research that's gone into that game is and this is a guy who's like whose passion is like architecture i think you know he reads he, he talks about architecture a lot so every building in the game feels like it exists for a reason feels mm. like it's there for a job every street has a name every single street in the game has a name <coughs> and every bill every floor of every building they thought about what kind of business would be done on this floor so it, it so the buildings really reflect. Ha, haven't they invented like sixty companies or something? Yeah, I think it's uh, more than that. I think it's like right. over over a hundred different companies, fictional companies, just to support the reality of the universe. Mm. Design their logos, designed, and it's these kinds of details that make a game great. You look at a game like Bioshock; it's a good shooter, but it's the world, the detail in the world that makes it great. Mm. In fact, you can stop in any room, look around that room, and be like, "Oh well, this this is what happened in this room." There was some, some this thing happened here and that thing happened there and you can see it just in the way the details they've put in there. Mm. So what this room was once for, this is the life mm. the person who lived in that room had and you can see that in Deus Ex. Like, they've done like the tiniest little details, like every now and again you'll return to your flat in that game after periods away. When you get back, the plants will have grown. It'll be a little bit when you go in there. There'll be a little bit more dust in the air and stuff. Mm. Like this is this is like the kind of detail you don't need to put into a game, but they have because they want to make the best game yeah. they could possibly make. And it could end up being one of the best games on Xbox 360. Easily. Um, but the interesting battle for them will be that, I mean, Deus, the original Deus Ex is heralded as being one of the greatest games ever made. But commercially, it never did amazing business. You know, It did, it did pr pretty well. Maybe it's one of those games where it's been discovered by people as the, its kind of reputation has, has grown. But it'll... I guess the biggest challenge for Deus Ex is whether people are, you know, are kind of excited by either excited by the return of Deus Ex or whether they're just excited by the sight of this game kind of doing the things that it does. Hopefully well, both and hopefully you, it'll do well. When you see people um advertising the game. Sorry, I just popped a Rocky Road mini bite in my mouth. <laughs> We've got um sweets because it's a Christmas podcast. Um when uh is the game's advertised, don't don't expect to see a lot of like clever trailers where guys are sneaking around and hacking things. Mm. The trailers are all going to be guys running in, blasting away. Yeah, yeah. Guys with miniguns for arms, just yeah. machine gunning away. That's how they'll sell it. But that's not the game you'll be getting. Mm. The game you'll be getting, you can play like that. But there's so many different ways to play that game. It's a game when you when you finish it, you can start again and play it completely differently. Yeah, I think that's the clever thing about it. So, uh, Matt, 
Yeah. You're, you, what game are you looking forward to next year? Uh, lots, uh, lots of the usual suspects, obviously. I think perhaps one of my biggest um, games for next year is going to be Portal 2. Obviously, it's a, well, it's Valve for starters, and I don't think Valve has ever made a bad game. Um, I love the first Portal. I thought it was the standout uh, part of the Orange Box, which is a very tough thing to say when you've got Half Life Two, uh, Half Life Two Episode One and Episode Two in there as well. Um, I just think it's going to be great, more so for the single player. I know that they've got a whole co-op campaign in there as well, which will be fun. Uh, I just don't know who I'm going to play it with, and that makes me worry about my yeah, experience who, who with that. Who can you trust? You know. Um, so I'm going to have to find a friend who I trust to, to sit down and play. The, the, the trouble is with with Portal Two, it's not a game you want to come back to in in, in parts. You want to do it all over a, a couple of days. So. I need to maybe take a couple of days off and find someone who I can hunker down with and play the co-op with. Um, but single-player-wise, I'm expecting some rock-hard puzzles that are going to keep me stumped for an hour. Um, that's what I want from the game. I want to be outsmarted and I want to Just steal. an hour? I was going to say, that's your limit. That, that's as far, <laughs> you, there's no problem that you cannot solve in an hour. <laughs> exactly. Well, I don't we know. Should I, some, we should get Matt to work on that whole cancer thing. <laughs> <laughs> what I like about... Games such as Portal, such as Braid and, and Limbo and, and PB Winterbottom is that I, I genuinely Not limbo, feel... Limbo, man. Limbo, don't, don't, no, don't, no, don't, don't count Limbo. Hey, I, some of those eggs, I found, I think it was eight, there were 11 secret, secret eggs. Not the 10 that were obvious. There were more beyond that. And I think I found, I think it was seven or eight of those. Um, and I got the credit from it from the developers as well for being the first. And some of them were genuinely clever. Genuinely, genuinely clever. Like there was a, a hotel sign. And you had to, which was halfway through the game, you had to stand on the O and you had to rotate it. So there was a little bump on the O and you had to rotate it so it was on the like right-hand side of the O so that when you came to the end of the game and there was a giant O, that little bump was in the right place so you could pull it out and it was a drawer and there was an egg inside that drawer. There are puzzles in that game which are damn clever and when you solve them, you feel like you've truly outsmarted the See, developer. I don't, I'm not sure if that is a clever puzzle. I don't think that's a particularly good design because what, what that's that part that design is asking you to do is predict something you could never know. It's asking you to guess at something. No, it's not. It's something I had to sit down and work out. No, you know, not in my first you, playthrough. You, you, you work, not in your first part. playthrough. Yeah, no. you, you worked out after you played through once. So what's wrong with there being a puzzle that rewards people for doing something more than once? Um, Limbo is a game to play through more than once. You need yeah. to do no death run. So what's wrong I don't, with I, I wouldn't. I don't. I don't think a game needs should be. It uh, should force you to play twice. A game shouldn't have it secrets. It's optional. You know. I mean, it's it's not the ideal. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't impact on on the journey. You know, A to B, start to finish. It's it's a secret egg beyond the hundred percent. It's one of those eggs that takes you up to the hundred and eleven percent. So you don't even need to know it exists. It's just there as a reward for people really invested in the game. Yeah, There's a fine cool. tradition of games which basically you complete and then oh Christ, we've got to go back and do all this other stuff. And it's just a question of taste, really. You just sort of oh, I finished the game, that'll do. Yeah. Or if you've really got plenty of time on your hands, yeah, I mean, which I did at the time. Well, there you go. I wasn't, I, I I wasn't making any cutting any aspersions there. And, yeah, I, I mean, it's quite reflective of like most of the puzzles in that game, which is that you only know the problem 
once the problem's beaten you once. Oh yeah, the whole point like in that the, game is they want to kill you, and yeah. then once you're dead, they're you then saying to you, dangerous. "How do you not die?" It's Rick Dangerous. So you, you you try it once, and then you come back yeah. and you, you do it again. And man, Rick Dangerous was a brutal, brutal <laughs> game. Gem will know that. Oh yeah. Oh, like Rick Dangerous was a game. Like for our listeners, like Rick Dangerous was a game where you'd walk into a screen, walk right, and then all of a sudden the thing would just drop at the sky and instantly mm. kill you. So you're like, okay, well I'll do yeah. it again. So you you, you, like you walk six in. Lives. Yeah, and you yeah. yeah exactly. You had lives back then. So you walk <laughs> in the screen, and then you stop at the point where the thing. Would drop, it drops, goes clang. You're like, ah, oh, see, I dodged that one. Very nice. You climb up the ladder into the next screen, and then another thing just slices out of nowhere, dead. That game was savage. Rick Dangerous and Rick Dangerous Two should basically be on live arcade. Let's just Rick Dangerous. Yeah, it'd be. I think it'd be nice. It'd be yeah. nice. It'd be nice uh, introduction. Maybe to not it. with the live system that it had. Anyway, you know yeah. what? You can you can emulate the Amiga version, no problem at all, on PC, and that's. I mean, everybody. I think everybody who listens to podcast probably knows Rick Dangerous and knows. How brutal it is, and Limbo is Rick Dangerous yeah. with infinite lives. I remember playing Another World straight after Limbo and just not getting on with it at all, thinking yeah. it would be more the same. And it's just, no, nah, that was horrible. But um, you, I, I've got to say though, when you were playing Limbo, because you played it in the office and we were watching you, yeah. you were laughing a hell of a lot when you were dying. There were yeah, some good deaths. There, there are some good deaths. Like the whole uh, there were two pneumatic pistons, and you step on a button, the first one crushes you. So you're like, oh, you dodge that button, you dodge the next one, and it still crushes you. You've yeah. got to do the opposite. Yeah, there, there were there were some clever deaths for sure. They um, they they mess with you in some really interesting yeah. ways. But for me, that game wasn't. Th- thick enough it wasn't fast enough there wasn't enough density I'm not talking about like it needs to be fast it just wasn't enough density mm. there's a lot of walking right and most of the puzzles the um the star puzzles aside well not star puzzles the, the, um, the egg puzzles the egg puzzles aside like which were all like quite interesting mm. Generally speaking, the puzzles in that game, they were impossible to fail. Yeah. Until you get to the final few puzzles, most of the puzzles essentially involved walking until you found the one thing that had to do you something, push. and then doing the one thing you yeah. could do. There, with there, were a cu- there were a couple, there was one in particular where there was a lift and you had to pull it onto a, a tipping floor. And that was clever. And that, that was, was nice, very clever. Yeah. For the most part, they, they weren't as clever as that. But anyway, I, I digress slightly. Um, my point is, with the egg puzzles and with, say, the star puzzles in Braid, I like the idea of, of a game making me just stop, just like put the pad down for a bit and just think about how I'm going to outsmart it. And that is something that Portal did in almost every room. And I think Portal 2 is going to just, with, with the repulsion gels, with the, the other type of, I forget now the speed gels and with the different type of faith plates and whatnot. Valve have created so many tools and an environment that, just could be absolutely you know there's there's no limit to to what you could face in that game i just cannot wait to be made to look like an ass by valve really i I just relish the challenge that i'm going to be in a room and i'm not going to know what to do Mm -hmm. until i just sit there and just work it out you know i'm not looking forward to six hours of that i cannot wait for there's gonna be the beginning of the game i'm not looking forward to at all because they're gonna in the first hour of the game they're this is how you, you use a portal they're gun. They're going to teach you everything they taught <laughs> yeah. you in the first game because they can't guarantee, of course, that everybody played Absolutely. the first game. So they're going to have to teach you all that stuff again. Well, isn't that why they've added a whole extra layer of entertainment? Yeah, that's, the, that's the thing. They've got the, the characters to do so. So they have exactly. GLaDOS so Return. They've got, they've got Wheatley with Stephen Merchant. Portal was a funny game. Like You yeah. look at it, it's just all white. And yet they, they managed to make me laugh constantly. There were lines of dialogue and indeed the, the, the end boss and the end song that were funnier than anything else out that year. And I think Portal 2 is going to, you know, carry on that 
that theme as well. Yep. So um, yeah, Portal Two. I just to say really quickly, incredible. I think you should start smoking a pipe. It just kind of suits your your yeah. way of gaming. I just like the idea of putting down the console, saw... picking up your pipe, and just sort of. No, let me see. Portal. <laughs> These puzzles are devilish. I saw devilish. A walking along through Bath the other day. He had a big like big mustache, big bushy grey mustache. <laughs> He had, a, he had a full, full on pipe when the big, like, curly. Oh, yeah. Pipe, he had a big drop down, real big bowl on it. And he was like. That's I, a puzzle game for you. I said to my girlfriend, I was like, you know what? I might start, I might take up a pipe. Yeah. I think, I think you said this before on the podcast. Yeah. So I'm yeah. sure you wanted to bring back the pipe. Yeah, I want to bring back the pipe. It's, it's, a, good, it's a good look. My dad used to smoke a pipe for a bit. <laughs> but he weirdly did it like in his late 30s, early 40s, but he's never done it since. It's a bold thing to do. Yeah. I think it's very bold to just walk down the street sucking on a pipe. <laughs> yeah, I always remember him like. <laughs> And then it just suddenly stopped, you know. What is it with that pipe smoking sound as well? Because like no. a pipe, you know, you can you can think you, if you smoke a cigarette, you can just sort of just suck on it. You, yeah, you, know, you don't actually make any real noise. There's a slight hiss yeah. as you suck the. But pipe smoking, you always. <laughs> that's right. But that's what's great about it is that yeah. little noise. That's the bit you enjoy most. One well, last thing on, on Paul Two uh, uh, yes. Palette. I just I I I think it'll be great. Uh, yep. Not my personal cup of tea, but I think it'll be great. But I think it'll do amazingly on PC. But I just wonder who it's going to sell to on oh, console. Oh, yeah, I, I, I worry about who's going to pick it up. Um, you know, when you put it on the shelf next to games such as Crisis 2 and Bulletstorm, it doesn't exactly look like the most exhilarating because it, Because even if, they, even if, like Mike says, with Deus Ex, and he's exactly right, that's what they'll do with Deus Ex, is they'll have him storming a building, shooting everyone. Yeah. But you can't do that with Portal in the no. trailer. You can't show to a, a man storming a compound, <laughs> killing everything. Do you know no. what I mean? It's, it's I, such a difficult sell on console, it is. I, I mean, think. It's, it's a small it. thing, though, but when you think about it, we, t- we take for granted the fact Steve Merchant, everything he does <coughs> has audiences of at least a million in this country. Yeah. And if it's funny enough, if it's that's like, not a this bad is Steve show, Merchant's really massively yeah. funny, yeah. Yeah. people will buy it just to be entertained. Yeah, that that's way. a good point. And they'll be buying like, so guides the pe- just the, to get through it. The people like, who buy it are made to play it. <laughs> no, no, that's the point. Like, you will probably get a lot of people who won't want to sit there smoking a pipe working out what the next puzzle is. They'll have a guide so they can get to the yeah. next Steve Merchant joke. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, that's pretty good shape. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you might be right. Maybe that's how they'll market it here. I think in England, I think that's quite that's, yeah. that's very possible. They could do some funny ads, and, and obviously for gamers, gamers pretty much all know who Valve is. And I think yeah. that's, it, that's it, it's made it, by the Valve. Game sells to it sells it to gamer like gamer gamey gamers mm. anyway. They're, they're, that's the kind of people yeah. that Portal's really designed. And it's for. EA as well. I mean, they're not exactly short of cash. To, no, to they, they did really undermarket uh, the Orange Box, you know. So mm. we'll mm. see what happens. What about you, Jim? Uh, well, I like to surprise you all, as you know. Um, it's not an Xbox game. No, no. <laughs> I'm looking forward to, to uh, playing with Conkers in October. No, um, thing is that there's loads and loads of games, as you say. Obviously, we've all got Batman top of our list anyway, but we're not allowed to talk about it because there's just so, so many obvious ones. There are loads of games that you could be confident are going to be amazing this year. I'm more interested in the games where... There's no real confidence. There's just hope. You're just gambling on them. Yeah, right? you just. I mean, I hate to disappoint you in terms of like talking about stuff, but all the games I'm most looking forward to are ones that I'm probably most looking forward to them because there's so little info at the moment, and you can just think, "Wow, that could be amazing if they do that right and they do that right." Um, I think probably top of my list of that kind of game is I'm really looking forward to X Men Destiny, if 
I say I'm looking forward to it. That's, that sounds confident. That yeah. sounds, I've judged that game and I'm going to play it and it's going to be great. It's not so much that. It could be. Obviously, You're hopeful for it. I mean, it's Silicon Knights. If it's done they, right, yeah. to be an X-Man, to create yeah. your own X-Man and walk into that academy yeah. and then have this whole story take off. Yeah. And again, with, with so many games with me, I want the best customization as well. I don't want to be given a choice. And I know it's not, you know, at the moment it looks like you're given a choice of three templates or whatever. Yeah, you don't, you, don't, you don't want that. You, you, want, you don't want like, oh, I want to be psychic guy, death ray guy or yeah. and I, fire and, guy. You want, you want to be able to be like, okay, I want... I want Eyes which shoot lasers, and yeah. I also want to. I want my ass can fly, but my legs can't. And a poisonous beard. And yeah. I want stretchy arms. I want to throw like razor poker chips and stuff. If you yeah. can, if there's even an element of that, maybe you know it won't be a hundred different variables or anything. But if you can mix and match stuff like that and put yourself in the game, then I reckon that could be that could take us. What would you? What would your power be, Jam? If you could, but be you can't have man. teleportation, flight, or telepathy. Okay, I'd have a mesmerizing beard. Yeah, that's what I'd have. Yeah, no matter what, pretty, what, pretty good what villain I'm facing off against, the villain would be sort of trying to attack me, and it just it'd be like frozen because the just the sheer luxuriousness of my beard would stop them. It's different. The, the thing is with um, with X Men Destiny is that uh, is that Silicon Knights have have got a pretty a pretty good track record, except for one game, and unfortunately it was their last game, and unfortunately it took them ten years to make it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, the last game before that was Metal Gear Solid: The Twin Snakes, which is all right, a, a great game. Yeah, which game. is all right. But and then they're then... working with a license. You know, they are working with, with Marvel as well. I think that that kind of it's not quite the same as mm. them trying to work out their own. Everything. Yeah, that, that could go either way though. I mean, yeah. licensed products. You think, yeah, it's official as it were, but then you get all the restrictions that come along with that license. Yeah, um, license holders like to impose a lot of rules on. Yeah. Like the only guys who get sort of carte blanche with um with Marvel stuff is uh, Cap. For Marvel vs. Capcom, yeah. and even they have said like there's characters they wanted to do, but Marvel were just said no, we're not doing anything with that character yeah. right now. But I think, but I think the very fact that the whole point of the game is that you are a new X Man, yeah, interacting with the other yeah, X Men, yeah. that should hopefully in much the same way that like DC out. Universe is online on the P on the PS3 lets you you know be this hero in the DC Universe. You don't, you don't be Batman, yeah. but Batman's there, you know? Yeah, Which apparently yeah. is a really good game, by the way. Yeah. Hearing the, yeah, people on the beta are saying it's really good. Oh, right, DC okay. Universe Online might actually be a great game. Having said, having said that about licenses, they are we, we're beginning to see more flexibility. And don't, 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 like, everybody yeah, a big don't underestimate the power of Batman. Yeah, like, Mar- Marvel will be looking at Batman yeah. and they will be thinking, oh. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be thinking, uh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be th- they'll be thinking we need a piece of that action is yeah. what they'll be thinking. And then basically, can I just interject Rockstar. for one second and say we were told not to swear when we came on the podcast we today, and what you heard them was no swear because it was cut out. We were told, we were told one rule: no swear. And everyone looked at me and said, "No swearing, <laughs> yeah, Mike. Mike. No swear, F bomb. Oh, you're always Mister Swears. Don't swear. You're such a silly." Wasn't wasn't you swore that time, was it? But you're right. That's exactly what's going to happen. Marvel are going to look at um, the Batman. They're going to say, you know what? When you put a few years into a, like a superhero game, it pays. It yeah. pays dividends. Well, Spider-Man's already sort of half done that, but without putting the years in, they just sort of looked at Batman and thought, oh, we can do that. Yeah, for years you've got like you've got the uh, the only decent Marvel game has been the Spider game, and they've run that into the ground lately. Yeah. So you look at the Marvel games, you look like Thor and Iron Man and Iron Man Two, and man, there's been some duff looking games oh, from that, for, like, with, with the Marvel Marvel badge on there. And instead of doing like, Captain America, how bad does that look? And you have got all these different games, and it's just a waste of huge licenses yeah. when you've got Wolverine, arguably the biggest superhero in the world, certainly was for most of the nineties. You don't. 
shat him away at Raven Software and let him no. run him into the ground. Mm-hmm. You give it to is that you you go out and you find yourself a bungee. Yeah. You find yourself a a big big strong studio that can make a great game. Ironically, Raven's Wolverine wasn't that bad. No. We, we know something interesting about that. Can we say it? Uh, are we, are I, we I, I don't know. I don't know if if, if it was on the record or off the record. So uh, I, I we'll, can. we may be revisit that in the future. But. Um, Raven didn't do too bad a job, but yeah, they, they, fl- did, they did do a nice job. But I mean, when you think like, but, uh, no rock steady, you know. What, the, what you do, you want is a studio looking to prove itself. So maybe not a bungee, but you're looking at like a Silicon Knights. They got a lot to prove right now. Mm. But Rocksteady had a lot to mm. prove. If you, you if you can find that studio has got a lot of talent and a lot to prove, Mercury Steam, Castlevania. Yeah. You want if you get a guy like if, you, if Mercury Steam had been making a Wolverine game. Like we'd all be saying now, oh, comic games are back. They're back in a yeah. big way, and they're, they're, we can count on a whole new era for quality. But we've just done our comic special, you know, and it's like so there are some really good-looking games there. There's some duff-looking. Oh, there's some duff-looking mm-hmm. games too. But like you say, Marvel got to be watching Batman real close. You're absolutely spot on as well about Silicon Knights because they will be. They will be like we've got something to prove here. Yeah. Because you know, before They're in the Jericho boat before Jayat got his fingers burnt. Yeah. Remember well, the whole "Are you with me or without me?" on Neo Gaff. I yeah. mean, they've got before Too Human. They had a, a pretty stellar reputation. You know, they. I mean, Eternal Darkness was fantastic. People still talk about that. Yeah, and they want it. To Twin Snakes is really good. Yeah. What else did they do? Uh, they did something else, didn't they? Or was that it? Anyway, those two games were ex- excellent, really, really excellent. And then Two Human was just a, it was just a project too long in the making, and yeah. it could never be good when it came out. And and you're absolutely spot on, Mike. They have got something to prove, and they have got the talent there, but it's whether they can, it's whether they can deliver, and hopefully they can. It'd be nice if they did come back in a big way, because. You know, when they were good, they were very, very good. Before we bounce back to Gem, just wanted to say one last thing about flexible licenses. What the hell was up with the latest piece of DLC for Star Wars Force Unleashed 2? So the game, you can kill Darth Vader and take his place. In the DLC, you pull Chewbacca out of an AT-80 or yeah. whatever he is. ATST. Hold him, ATST. Hold him up so that Han Solo shoots him dead, yeah. and then you go and kill Han Solo. Yeah. Re- what re- the you re- frig? You rewrite Star Wars history. What the hell is this? What, yeah. what do you hold Chewbacca up by? Your he, Isn't he like yeah. eight foot tall? Yeah. Oh, yeah, but... Oh, but he's got a force, so he just lifts yeah. him up, oh, just levitates him yeah. out of there. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a rewriting Star Wars history. That game... <sighs> what a comedy game. That game came along... It was completely... Like, it, it made half a game with, like... The same, basically, they did the Halo thing where they, the second half of the game was the first half of the game in reverse, except the game was four hours long. Yeah. Uh, and then they they bang out some DLC, and it's this parallel universe stuff where you rewrite Star Wars history, basically. You know what? I don't think that's too bad. I, I, I've, I've long dreamt of to be decapitated in an Ewok. But the game is was just bad, and they had a chance to basically sort of finish their game with the DLC. Mm. What, they, what they've done is just... Is, <laughs> Finished. I don't even know. Oh, well. It's, they, they killed the Force Unleashed. It makes you game. wonder what... I mean, because presumably they have to pass all this stuff under Lucas's nose. <laughs> There's been a lot of stuff I mean, not the, look, not at, the, look at the crap he's passed uh, yeah, in his own hand. That, I was going to say, not that he's got high-quality control, <laughs> but, you know, like... There's like there's like shall we introduce the Ewoks and there's can I kill Chewbacca and then then kill Han Solo and also is it all right for Cavalier at the same yeah, time? Who wanted to do that? Yeah, nobody. Like surely like the Star Wars video game should be about living the dream. Yeah, Rogue Squadron on the GameCube. Yeah, you're like oh man, mm. I am an X-wing yeah, pilot. Exactly. Like, yes, yeah. this is what I've always wanted to do. You're like yeah, you get to play Darth Vader in his old his uh, tie tie advanced. You're like bro, I'm I'm Darth Vader. Mm. No one has ever said oh you know wouldn't it be brilliant if I could 
rewrite if I could kill the Wookiee, let the Wookiee lose, yeah, and, and kill, the and kill Han Solo, kill a kill character. a fake Han Solo, yeah, the, the character everybody likes, yeah, that's madness. Like the, the Force Unleashed two exists to make money. Force Unleashed, you really get the impression exists. They're to, trying to make a to, good game to make a Star really Wars good game. game and really add something to the Star Wars universe. Mm. So Force Unleashed two exists to make money. That's all it's for. Money maker. Yeah. Uh, okay. So well, I, I guess You're I'll talk, uh, yeah I guess I'll talk about about mine. Mine's probably pro- quite obvious because it's Batman. But if I wasn't talking about Batman. I, I probably talk about a game that I saw recently. I'm not necessarily I'm not necessarily so looking forward to this that I a bit, uh, above and beyond all other games. But I am very very intrigued by it, and that's La Noire. Um, I don't necessarily think it's going to be the best game of the year. In fact, I'm pretty confident that it won't be. But and Mike and I had a discussion about it yesterday where. Mike wasn't massively convinced by the tech that, that he'd seen in the video, but I think with the tech for me seeing So we're it, talking about the facial animation. Yeah, right? yeah. The 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 tech for me, uh having having seen it in action, I, I I thought was really extraordinary. I thought it was it really bridged the bridged the gap for me. I thought it was was really brought alive the whole game. I thought it was a complete necessity for that game to have that kind of tech for it to work because in a game that relies on you to um, decide whether people are lying or whether they're telling the truth mm-hmm. or, you know, you need to, and, and through facial expressions and that kind of thing, not just the things they say, I think it was absolutely necessarily that they had tech like this. And for me, it, in game, it completely worked. The trouble with um, any game based on being a, a policeman or a detective is that the, in, a, in a game where you're playing a mobster or something, the fail state is you get killed. Until then, basically there are no rules. But when you're looking at a game like L.A. Noire, you're looking at a game where you can't ever fail the case. Because what they do, just restart you at the beginning of the case. Well, in that case, you just play it again, take different options. Detective games are really, really hard to make well when there's no way to let you fail. You, you always eventually have to win. And in a video game, it's all action. That's fun because you get to have a go at the all of the action again for a second time, you know, and that's okay. But when you've got to go down a whole discussion path all over again and be a better detective, well, the second first time around is really fun because you get to work it out and suss guys out. The second time, you just know you've got to take the options you didn't take the first time. Mm. I guess there is that, that element of it. I mean, they, they've, they've tried to introduce things into the game where, um, where you know, you aren't... You, you don't just fail a, you know, if you question someone and you ask the wrong questions, you don't just fail it. I mean, yeah. one avenue will be closed off and to you. And there are certain missions which will lead to branching paths as exactly. well. Exactly. Right? Every mission has got like two or three branching paths. And so, you know, if you if you ask, if I ask you, Did, were you at that place? And you tell me an answer and I believe you and it's the, you know, I'm wrong to believe you. A, a potential lead will be blocked off to you and you won't say go to someone's house to interview them because you'll never be led there but you will go to somewhere else and then to somewhere else and eventually you'll come back around and join the join the route to 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 the to the it's a design challenge that i don't envy at all because no it, as as a designer that's that is a really tough game to make absolutely well. and, and that's why i say i'm not confident that it will be the, the best game of next year in fact i'm pretty confident it won't be but I am really intrigued by it. I mean, for me, you know, having having grown up reading thrillers, having grown up really knowing this this kind of world quite well, I'm sort of really excited about actually uh, having that era replicated. But also the 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 
the um, job of, of a detective, you know, and really yeah. kind of going into crime scenes and that sort of thing. I think it's 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 a really interesting uh, area for me. It's very sort of close to my heart, and I think that that's probably one of the other reasons why I'm quite psyched for it. But I just think that the you know the 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 world the the kind of approach that you have to to these cases is is so different. It's not. I guess it is an action game in in some respects because there still are those shootouts and those car chases and that sort of thing. But I'd say that eighty percent of what I saw was 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 a Q and A really was was reading people and that kind of thing. Now I think a lot of people are going to go in and find it boring. But I think you know last, this time last year we were writing off Red Dead. You know we were we were yeah. saying well who's going to buy a spaghetti western game? Yeah. Like who knows? Like this this could be huge. You're <coughs> right. It's like a lot. Who's going to buy this game where you question people? Man, like, yeah, who is gonna buy it? It's not a question of who's gonna want that, it's gonna be like who's who's gonna not want it by the time Rockstar are done with their marketing machine, yeah, you know? absolutely. Like, and if they can sell Red Dead to people, yeah, and that, and that was a boring game as well. That was a game where you ride around on a horse most of the time. You, you people love, I mean, I was it. one of them, I loved it. I, you know, gave it 94. For like, that. Some, I, something I which should be boring. A game that was, from my point of view, like, you know, knowing a lot of people who aren't avid gamers, yeah, you know, personally. I've never ever known a game that was so widely popular. No, for two two months in the middle of this year, male, it was huge. Male, middle-aged people, young people, everyone just went crazy. For you them. mean young but over eighteen? Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that is young, yeah. And yeah, again, the thing is, like, most of these people don't, you know, wouldn't know us. A spaghetti western from a hole in the wall. It's not necessary that it's not for someone to have seen Double Indemnity to get L.A. Noire. Mm-hmm. Like. Man, if if they haven't seen like, Double Indemnity, you can watch it this Christmas. That's a strong Christmas. It film. is a strong Christmas. To be honest, I, th- I think a Christmas thriller with mm. with gaming generally these days. If you've got if 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 you're a developer and you've got a choice between being one of a whole host of games where there are really quite similar games out there, and there are you know no matter how great it is, you've got some great gimmicks, you've got some amazing graphics, you know. But if you're doing a kind of a futuristic post-apocalyptic shooter with massive guns and loads of things you could be the best of the bunch but you are one of a bunch mm. I think a lot of people are more interested in just looking for something that is completely individual it's going to have its own atmosphere like L.A. Noir, where you think well yeah well the I want to go there. There's nowhere yeah. else yeah. like that that's mm, going to take totally. it. It's more like a, it's, I think there are a lot more gamers around who see a release schedule of games more like mm you would think to see a list of films at a multiplex. Yeah, yeah. see that. Where I do that. I want to go? That, yeah. I, th- I think uh, that's part of the reason why Assassin's Creed has done so well yeah. for Ubisoft. That's a similar thing. Cause so w- w- that's w- now created its own genre. Of yeah, Ubisoft are in danger of running out yeah. into the ground. Yeah. They, need to, they need to take it slow on that game. Yeah. They've really, they're pushing it too hard. I know it's a guaranteed cash cow, but by making it their call of duty, they're making a big mistake. Yeah, the, the, the missing ingredient, though, is obviously the, the Ubisoft, the, the rock star. You need those names there. Like mm. when uh, when you've got stuff like the first Templar coming out, exactly. From, and we're also talking about whoever, like, like we're, we're saying this work. in the same context that we're saying, well, who's going to buy Portal Two? You're saying, well, Alienware is guaranteed to sell. So why is Portal Two not guaranteed to sell? And I, it, I, it really does it doesn't come down to the quality of the game. It comes no. down to something else, and that something is. You know, maybe is it marketing? Well, maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Mm. That's not like Red Dead had like billion like EA money thrown at it in marketing. You know. 
I think I think that's an interesting point. One of, one of the things about LA Noir, I guess, that they could sell it on, and it's what we were talking about with Deus Ex earlier, is that they can sell it as a detective thriller. Yeah. Yeah. They can show them shooting because you can shoot in game. They can show the car chases and that sort of thing. Whereas the portal, you well, can't like show thing. I mean, yeah, you can't can, show you can anyone. Sell that to someone who doesn't know game. It's like you can be John Wayne. It's exactly. like, yes, I'll get Red Dead. You yeah, can be a detective. This is yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, you can be a scientist with a portal gun who can <laughs> like hop between these worlds. You need that, that high concept. You need yeah. that Don Simpson thing. Don yeah. Simpson said, you know, it's like if you want to... Don Simpson, one half of Simpson and Bruckheimer, yep. did Days of Thunder, did uh, Top Gun. This is a guy who Is he said, the guy who did lots of prostitutes <laughs> as well? Yeah, a lot of drugs. Hell, <laughs> okay. a lot of drugs. He, um, like, you know, it's like this, uh, they're the masters of the high concept. It's like a one-sentence movie pitch. Yeah. It's like, you know, this, this is what you're looking at with games. You can sell... Red Dead on one sentence. You can sell Eleanor on one sentence. You can't sell Portal on one no. sentence. It's, you know, it's maybe it's bad that like the games are this way. But when you can say when your one sentence pitch is you are Batman, that's a hell of a lot easier yeah. than, than pitching the Portal Gun game. And one of the other interesting things, I mean, Jem sort of touched on it when he said that lots of people with Red Dead were, you know, who perhaps weren't into games normally were very into the idea of Red Dead. With L.A. Noir, I think it's something that Rockstar have learnt because one of the things they were at pains to point out when they showed me the game was that they wanted people who who found games intimidating to kind of get into L.A. Noir. And I, actually, I can see... I think there's barriers to entry, i.e. you've still got to be able to aim a gun and you've still got to be able to drive a car and you've still got to be able to use a control pad. But... I can kind of see where I think because 80% of the game like I say is just responding to questions just pressing and a button you know, well that raises a really interesting point I just thought it would be so nice is if you didn't have to drive a car didn't have to aim a gun mm. it would be really good if like you could choose at the beginning of the game one of two characters and one of them was like this guy who's a hands on guy and then you get the full game Mm-hmm. And the other guy is the guy, the guy who sits, in the, passenger who's, who's sits seat. in the passenger seat. So when you've got to go on a case, <coughs> you don't drive there yourself. You don't drive your partner there. He drives you. And when there's a shootout, he says to you, "Just get your head down, get your head down." He looks after you. He's mm. the war hero, not you. Like you, oh, can, you can have this. Ga- imagine if the second person was like a reporter reporting on it. So they'd have to do the same investigations, Something but like they that. don't have a gun. Exactly. Or but you do. You do the whole investigative. Danny DeVito. You do this whole <laughs> investigative portion of the game, but you don't do any of the action mm. stuff. That'd be a great way to sell it to the kind of people who can't yeah. hit the broadside of a barn. You know? and, and, the, and the irony is, is that the the shooting and 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 the action set piece. Admittedly, I've only seen a couple of missions, but are undoubtedly the weakest part of L.A. Noir. Mm-hmm. I mean, they 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 were fine. They were fine. But they weren't... <clears throat> I didn't think that they were they were particularly exciting. The aiming looked a bit twitchy. You know, so I, for me, they were the most interesting bit. The bit that makes me interested in L.A. Noir is exactly the stuff you're talking about, which is the investigative stuff, the psychological stuff, as psychological as you can get um, watching a computer-generated character. But... You know, it's 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 very much that that side of things in Alain Noir that intrigues me, that that, that makes me want to want to play it more. And I think that there are missions. Apparently, there are missions where you will not pull your gun out or drive a car. Well, you probably drive a car in most missions, but you will not pull your gun out at all for the whole mission. So, I mean, there are. I, I just really hope that doesn't. Well, they're not saying that by talking about what I like. The little thing that I like to call rockstar bullshit, which is. <laughs> Rockstar make these amazing missions. They, they're, they're normally really good at crafting like really fun things to do in worlds, but they always kick off their games with a good two or three hours of Rockstar bullshit, which is, okay, so John Marston, you're this badass, right? He's like, hell yeah, I'm this badass. Like, you, you go, you're quick with a gun, right? He's like, yeah, I'm quick with a gun, baby. 
And he's like, do you reckon you could uh, round up some cattle? <laughs> <laughs> could you shoot these rabbits for us? Yeah, you, you could uh, shoot a couple of rabbits. It's like, no, no, that's, that's, you don't need that. Yeah. You don't need that in the game. It's like um, in GTA, it's like, um, so, uh, do you want to shoot some things? Oh, yes, oh, yes please. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hoodlum from, the, from Eastern Europe. I'm, I'm, I'm well up for shooting some things. It's like, okay, uh, well, in a couple of hours, I'll give you a gun. But for now, could you pick up this girl and take her on a little date? Do you think? It's like that. Laundries. Can you help me throw a brick through this window? Yeah, that's not. Yeah, okay, yeah, he chucks a bin through a window, right? A brick, yeah. A brick, I think, yeah. yeah. I'll go, go in the back, pick up a brick. By the way, a mechanic which is never used again in the game. Yeah. Pick up a brick, chuck it through a window. Like, that's the bullshit I'm talking about. Like, the, the game, games don't need that. And I think Rockstar really want to tell you a story which really develops and begins mm. at such humble beginnings and ends at such magnificent heights. Mm. They want you to spend an hour or so, Staff so to low being humble. That, mm. But I, that's not what I want to play in a game. I want to begin at the middle point. I think it was, um, it might have been Vonnegut, I don't know. I'm getting a, really putting a wank hat on now. But he said, begin a story as late as you can. For the reader, begin it as begin as late in the story as you can, and you know tell the story from that point. And I always feel like Rockstar begin their stories about three hours before yeah. I needed to begin. That's the rule with sitcoms as well. Interesting enough. Yeah. The main rule with sitcoms is that, like you write a first episode where everyone's introduced and everything's done, and then you throw it away. So right. you're just starting hitting the ground. It doesn't matter how you start know as it. if everyone's always known exactly. those characters. You just jump straight in there. That's yeah. another yeah. golden rule. I'd really like it if Rockstar were brave enough because I mean, you begin as like a, a, a beat cop, but I hope that doesn't mean that. And I, I genuinely fear this because it's a rock, it's a Rockstar game, and they're the sort of guys who would do this just to show how humble you are. They got good reasons for doing it. Yeah. I don't doubt that. It's just I don't think it's a, a fun for me. That I, I really hope it doesn't mean I'm going to be standing in the middle of a crossroads yeah. directing traffic. Well, I, 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 really, I think you. I think I, that's possible. I think you probably do. But what would be a cool opening is that you are that beat cop, but you're like straight out of the blocks. There's a murder pretty much in front of you, and you're like, well, it's not my jurisdiction, but either I can do something now or I can like dick about for 20 minutes and wait for backup I, to arrive. I think yeah. based on what I've seen so far, I think it's more likely to be Mike's Yeah, I, I, I think it is like Screenshots of cats stuck in trees. I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I think it's likely to be like what Mike says as well. The, the other thing is that given Rockstar's history in this area, it's been in every single game they've ever done where you start out and you're just some schmo yeah. who's just got a sort of amble around for two hours and you know because it was the same in all the yeah. GTAs I remember San Andreas thinking yeah I freaking love Vice City San Andreas and I think San Andreas is a great game it's uh, got a lot of rap recently uh, but the first mission they, in that they get you to go and get some donuts or something yeah. get some donuts for the station you're like oh was it San Andreas the first thing you do pretty much is, is ride a pedal bike yeah, yeah. a push bike yeah. so what am I doing yeah. I'm like this bad that stuff. takes ages to get oh, going San Andreas yeah if they're really sensible, they'd send you out to get donuts, and then there'll be a shootout in the actual bakery. And that's that's the thing, them. like yeah, that's that's what they could, they, like Matt said, they could do something really cool with that, where you go out on your first mission, you go and get some donuts, you and you walk into the thing, Jesus and there's Christ there's like the waitress, oh, the waitress is yeah. shot dead, or it's a stick yeah. up, which has already been shot dead, or you know, like Matt says, there's a stick up, and you're suddenly faced with this thing, you can go. I'm going to go call for backup or I'm going to pull my gun and yeah. I'm going to do something about this. And I mean, that said, there are only, I think they said 18 to 20 cases. So it's not like, it's not like they can fan, fanny around for too long. But I suspect you're probably right. I reckon the first mission will be like, I'm waving yeah, my arm in a, in a traffic, <laughs> yeah. traffic uh, Tim's doing the, uh, the, tra the traffic directing gestures. Yeah, I'll do, do be standing in thing and connect compatible. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that does worry me. That does worry me. What I might do is like, 
get Matt to set up a save like three hours into the game and I'll just pick it up. Yeah. That could actually sell Connect to Japan, actually. If there was a, if there was a traffic directing Connect game, I think that's kind of... Uh, Mate, like ain't dro- nothing selling Connect to Japan at this point. Jeez. So um, before we move on to talk about Christmas, let me just, Jem, can I take your issue hundred so I can just tell people? Oh, about it's on issue shelves 100? as of this yeah. week. Oh, it's, yes, it's on sh- it's on shelves as we speak, and uh, it's probably uh, one of the best issues ever. I'm going to throw away all these other ideas I had for, for games I was looking forward to. Oh well, no, that's all right. Um, Save them for some other time. Issue one hundred is on sale now. Uh, it's in a special card wallet, so it looks super sexy. Oh, uh, nice. It's got three three D glasses in it. Not three, three. 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 Uh, which is brilliant because if you open up our mag with the 3D glasses on, it's eye-popping. It's, uh, we've, got, we've specially done the design so that the, the, every single page, well, 80% of the pages will leap out at you in eye-popping 3D. It looks, great. It looks pretty good. And I've got to say, it really does it's look It's done good. in such a you, way I, where you don't need to have the glasses. No, you don't need you like wouldn't want to read the whole mag no. with them on because your eyeballs would roll out of their head. Yes, the, reading the actual text will give you a headache, I think. With them but, on, but when you just when you, when you every time you turn to a new page, it's worth flinging on the old specs and having a, having a look at the page because it looks brilliant. Yeah, and actually, everyone who buys it could do me a favour as well. I won't say, obviously, which game it is, but when we get to the end of the top 100, the very last spread... Please do write into Xbox World if you think that's a particularly amazing 3D effect because it blew my mind and no one else. I seems can't to have... see it. Exactly, I can't, I can't it's like see a it magic either. eye. It just affects different people in different ways. <laughs> yeah, I saw that spread with the 3D glasses on, and I ran across the office because it was like punching me in the face. Whoa! And no one else. Everyone else is just like, oh, no, it doesn't work. I was really it. worried that I was uh, colorblind or something when Jem said that. In fact, it was like when we got the Batman 3D. Uh, game in and we got two pairs of glasses and I was sitting down playing Batman. Oh, like, this it doesn't work, guys. And everyone else is like, "Whoa, it's so 3D." There's Andy Kelly and Matt Castle. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, "Oh man, my eyes, they're gone." <laughs> I was gonna, turned out my 3D glasses were the wrong way around. Yeah, that's nice. Putting the right way around, it all worked. What a douche. So, uh, in the, I'm just going to quickly give you an overview of the issue, hundredth uh, issue, which means we've got some extra special celebratory features in there, including the top 100 Xbox games of uh, all time. Uh, that's Xbox and Xbox 360 in one giant list. A uh, hundred X, hundred. What's it called? Hundred secrets of gaming. Part one. Part one. Uh, which uh, um, not the catchiest tale, but we can come up with even better. <laughs> no, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it sounds a lot. It sounds. Yeah, not that catchy, but it's, it's actually all, It's the secrets fantastic. the games industry's been keeping from you, yeah. from the guys who keep the secrets. So we've got some massive names in there, but um, it was so... We've got Spectre. We've got Spectre. We got Blazinski. We've got Blazinski. We got Rain. B. Mel B. <laughs> oh, B. Got, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Scary. We got, yeah. we got Hideki, Frank, we got Hideki Kamaya. We got... Uh, Frank O'Connor. Frank O'Connor. We got... Todd Howard. Todd from, Howard. From, uh, uh, we got Jesper Kidd, the guy who did the music from uh, Hitman. Dan Greenwald, Mr. Forza, Mr. Forza, Shinji Mikami. We got P- Steve Papustis from uh, from Dead Space Two. We've got the Colonel from Brothers in Arms. Yeah, Ken that's Levine. Right. Who's that angry man? Who this, this guy. guy? Jamie Jackson from, from uh, DJ Hero. From DJ Hero. We got, we got, we got, we got some cool, We had some cool people who didn't even make it into the, like either part. Of the we top got Badong, Badong, Dang, 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 Dang. Yeah, what's his name? Baz Luhrmann. We got Ed Boon, Jack Thompson. That. that yeah, dude. See, you know that's how far we go. We don't, it's not Dunham. even just people that we love. It's people. I've got to say, Jack Thompson was really nice on email. Yeah, 
Really nice guy to chat to. And so is my, um, he doesn't make it until the next issue, but Michael Patcher as well. Great, great guy to chat to. In fact, one of my favourite answers is from Michael Patcher. Two of the Ender Games Industries villains. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, you should rush out and buy it now because it's uh, really an exceptional issue, even if we do say so ourselves. Very so let's talk Christmas. And, uh, encourage your friends to buy a copy too. And if they come to you and they say, hey, hey you know, can I borrow your copy of Xbox Road? You go, hell no. No. You buy your own copy. Yeah, you tell them. You buy two of your own copies. And if you forgot to give anyone something for Christmas and they've given you a card or a present, nothing says, I'm sorry and I love you and Merry Christmas. Yeah. Like, a 3D. Like a 3D issue 100 yeah. of Xbox yeah. World. Absolutely not. Or a subscription even to Xbox yeah. World. A subscription would be better, Mike. Yeah. yeah would, uh, and cheap. Real cheap. Good real value. Cheap. Very cheap. Is it three for a pound we've got in there? Yeah, three. Three, three issues for 100 pence, Matthew. That's Can good. you believe That's it? That's absurd. It is. I mean, when you think the magazine on shelves is £5 a pop, yeah. and you're talking three issues for 100 English pence. You're saving the amount of work that 14 we do for that. pounds. It's personally offensive, isn't it? Yeah, I, I might just say slap in the face. <laughs> It is, but uh, so you should make use of that slap, take metaphorical a, slap yeah, in the face. Take advantage of us. We've got our we've got our pants we'll just down. Just lie back and accept it. Yeah, we're, we've got our pants down. <coughs> we're bending over. We're bending over to pick up some change. <laughs> Go ahead and enjoy yourself. We yeah. do anything for a quid. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about let's talk about Christmas. Yay! Hey! So John Strike's been putting on some very questionable Christmas music. Better than last year, though. Better than last year. Endgamer weren't happy. They weren't happy. Uh, Endgamer weren't happy at all. <laughs> No, they, uh, Endgamer, Endgamer went to open revolt when Strike started playing his music. To be to be fair, I remember um, I remember Strike's music being a lot worse than it was last year. It just didn't seem. He's, but he, is that the same CD? I thought. It was, I but thought, this no, year it seemed Charlotte better. Gave him some new songs. So what is it? His um uh, his his Christmas CD is like four of the Christmas songs you want to hear and then cover versions, bad cover versions of all Christmas songs you'd never want to the hear. The bad cover versions were there. I didn't even pick yeah. up one. Like, like, like not a, this year, though. Like last oh, year right. it was. Oh, and this, so, year, this year he seems to have the legit versions. So is it all I, all I want for Christmas, that's Mariah Carey, it's Mariah right? Carey, right? On Strike's version, it's the Samantha Mumba one. We're talking that level of yeah, cover. Yeah, like you, you don't want to listen to Strike's CD. But this year he came, he came in and he borrowed a CD off someone else and... It was it was okay, man. It was good. It, it did. Oh, it was pretty good. He had McCartney on there, though. Yeah. See, that's where it, that's where it all falls down for me. McCartney is. That's all right because he's the ghost McCartney of Christmas on, past. I, I go onto YouTube and get the Serafinowitz show with the uh, sexual Christmas time song, and it makes all the wrongs right. It's a, a, a comedy show that about a hundred thousand people in the world watched. <laughs> no, no and, and none of our listeners. <laughs> Serafinowitz is a funny guy, man. He's a seriously funny guy. Well, and, a, and a huge guy. You know, Running Wild has been cancelled now, the, yeah. the American thing. But he was the best thing in it. He was so the best thing in it. fingers crossed he'll be given like a second show or something. Yeah, like America, like, given some American money to be funny. But uh, anyway, thing, I, think, I think rightly cancelled. Is Running that the one Wild. with Will Arnett? Yeah. Oh, that dreadful. It was a really yeah, bad Pete, show. Sarah Finnewis was good in it. Though, he was good in I it, saw. yeah. He, he was, was like the whole... But Sarah Finnewis has been pretty stinking in a couple of... Uh, I mean, I'm a fan, as you yeah. know, but he's been pretty stinking in a couple of American... Sh- major no, American... No, American no, oh, yeah. no well, comedy is obvious. as bad as Tramadol Nights right now, though. <laughs> oh, Tramadol Britain's Night. most hated show. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Oh, man. That... Surely everyone will have for- hopefully forgotten about that by the time this podcast is out, though. Oh. Channel 4 would just airing them all one after another they are just get getting them out of the way yeah. because I think they're so embarrassed by the show Look, that's got to be the death of Frankie Boyle's career right it's got to be over now you'd, 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 you'd hope so but um, <laughs> <laughs> the thing is I, I literally haven't 
I, I kind of saw the you know just the first five minutes of the first one, and I just thought I got I'm too busy. I got better things to do than to torture myself with this utter d- bilge. Uh, bilge. That's the word. Yeah. The so um, anyway, enough thank Frankie Boyle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Christmas songs. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, you slagged off Paul McCartney, which yeah. uh, you know I'm not a big fan of, of Wonderful Christmas Time at all. You know he did Once Upon a, Lo- a Long Ago. Look that one up. That's another. That's his alternative Christmas song, which yeah. is much better. But anyway, De Burgh. Someone is, twi- is hundred. I, I would rather listen to Wonderful Christmas Time on a loop a hundred times than have to listen to that De Burgh song again. Paul Gambaccini said something really interesting about um about Paul McCartney a while back, which is that he said Paul McCartney has this incredible ability to write songs that feel like they've been around forever. Mm. Like Mull of Kintyre feels like a song that's been around for like two hundred years. Yeah, but all there was his you know, wonderful Christmas time feels like it's been here too long. Actually, that's that's all it feels like. Not, not that it's been real, around forever, just it's been around for too long. My real problem with that song, actually, it's not so much the song, the words, the chords, and all that. I, you know, I think there's some interesting melodies in there. <laughs> Which is all bad. It's, it's Linda McCartney. <laughs> Which is everything. <laughs> it's, it's the instrument. It's the instrumentation. It's like a, it's a late seventies, and it's got all that kind of. I've heard a cover of that song of somebody just playing it on acoustic guitar, and it works. It's, it's you know, it's quite a nice. Does song. does the bit where he go. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. ooh! Does that bit work? No. When 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 even McCartney's out of tune. <laughs> I'm trying to work out how much we can sort of quote here without having to pay him some kind of uh, oh, yeah. some yeah. fee. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. You can only sing like yeah. you can because just do something like I'm, eight I'm seconds aching, of a song. Yeah. I'm aching to do uh, you know a version of De Burgh's song right now just to show oh, how much De worse Ber- I think that is. What was but De Burgh's Christmas song? If I start going la, la and so on. Then we're gonna to have to give that like if a spaceman refuse if he's coming money. that far across the galaxy, would he not have a better message oh, that's, to say? That's, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. The worst, uh, as we said uh, yeah. yesterday, the worst thing about the Christopher song when John's playing it in the office is we can't even hear most of the song. <laughs> it's so sort of quiet with the hubbub hubbub of the office. All we can bloody hear is the the la, angels la, singing. Yeah, that's the only la, bit. La, that, la 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 well, la 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 la. carries. To be fair, like the spaceman came across the universe, right? <laughs> To, to, to give, deliver his message, which goes uh, ten thousand light years. Don't forget. But we, we, the message we sent them was do 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 do. So he's kind of like, well, you know, it's a step have, up, isn't it? Have, have it back. Yeah, it's a step up. Have it back. There's more. There's more notes in my yeah. tune. It's like anyway. I've come a really long way. Yeah. Freaking! I tell you what. Ten year, ten light years. That's a long way. Anyway, I just wanted to tell you. La 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 la. Right, I'd, see you later. I, Cheers, I, I'm off now. Another 2,000 years. Yeah. I would take la 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 over Boney M. Oh, Boney M. But any Christmas song with rapping in it. <laughs> no, no, Run DMC. Good Christmas song. Run DMC have a great Christmas song. No, they have a, it's a terrible Christmas song. No, they've got a brilliant and Christmas song. The, the, the Boney M, it's, the Boney M song hasn't really got rapping. It's got the bit where the guy sings, but he's, it's not actually him, is it? You know the guy in Boney M with the yeah. afro? When mm. he sings, it's not really That's him. That's the producer, the German yeah, it's, guy. It's a, it's, yeah, and he's, he does this bit where he does this like um, this little interlude, and he's like doing his dance, looking all smooth. All that guy ever was was a dancer. He doesn't actually sing it. Right. It's a really bad interlude, man. That whole song. That I whole don't. I don't mind. Bad. I don't mind the Boney M side. I'd, I'd take that over McCartney yeah. definitely. And I think. Rhea? You're a big fan of Rhea. I'm a big fan of Rhea, driving him for Christmas. 
I don't really like Rhea's one. Dirty old jazz piano. Yeah, it's a, it, Gem got it spot on this morning when he said it's, piano. it's a bit. Yeah, it's a bit like Bobby Crush. Bobby Crush. Bobby yeah. Crush. Yeah. I just, I just like it, man. It's evocative. It's like oh, he's like he looks. Look at the driver next to me. It's, no, no. <laughs> he's like. The thing is, it's a dad he's song. He's just the same. It, it is a dad song. It's 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 like the it is one. A dad song, it yeah. is totally. You know, you get all these songs for granny and for the kids and things like that. That's the song for the dad. Oh, I, bet, I, bet, I bet Clarkson loves that song. But that's yeah. why exactly yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That is why I find that song so sad. Oh, Clarkson's are. It's just like top to toe and tailback. Oh man! Who was it? Who I got up on uh, Last FM yesterday? Was it Robbie D or someone? What's his name? Kenny. Kenny G. Kenny G. Left <laughs> music. Robbie D. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Robbie D. Kenny G. Um, you know Robbie D. He hangs out with Clarence Bruce. Kenny G is one of the biggest selling artists in America. Kenny G. Yeah. He's one of the biggest. Selling well, we only we only got out yeah, last on Last FM yesterday, and uh, they had. Um, Bruce Springsteen's version of Santa Claus has come to town. It's got like the old, it's got the old saxophone halfway through, and Hoodie went off in a massive rant about how he hated the saxophone. Oh yeah, the saxophone's a in anything, anything but scar. Watch Lethal Weapon the other and day. And then, and then Kenny G came and I said, "Leave this, leave this on, <laughs> leave this off, Hoodie." And it was like, <laughs> yeah, it's like you're in Pret a Manger. Yeah, it's true. Like you go in there to buy a sandwich, and it's like it's just this sort of like lazy sax on the thing. And saxophone when, is only good for two things, either. Tears. Sex scenes I, in Paul Verhoeven movies. That's just it. It's, it's either like really sad, oh, I'm crying, I'm going to kill myself type blues, or it's really tacky sex. Tacky sex, it's yeah. Really sort of like. <laughs> but you know what? Five, <laughs> lethal drama. Weapon, all four Lethal Weapon movies have a soundtrack that's basically pure sax, which I would argue is as audacious as a move as Commando's Steel Drum soundtrack. <laughs> it's like, that is audacious. They have bits where like Riggs like, like, launches himself in off of a like, big precipice and the sax is going to go. <laughs> <laughs> as he's falling through the air oh man sax is never a good choice for no, a soundtrack uh, never yeah. a good choice I'll tell you another another song we were looking at I think I think you were in uh, America Mike was um Shaking Stevens. Oh, and shaky. That video. I, I said, love that song. I said to Pellet, I said to Pellet, put on the video. And it's like this really creepy he, video. He, he stares right into the camera, gives the camera your rape stare. He does, but, but also he's like, he's like, there are all these kids, like, and he's just like going around and he's touching touch, their shoulders yeah. and like t- touching their hair. And they're all just like completely stony faced with a terrified <laughs> look, on, <laughs> look on their face. <laughs> the video is absolutely brilliant. brilliant. He begins the video by staring right down the barrel of the camera yeah. for about 20 seconds he's strong the, cardigan he's got the jumper. worst jumpers on as well <laughs> I mean, it could be no. worse though it could be all that but being done by Gary Glitter which yeah is, I suppose so I mean, yeah. when you actually hear the lyrics of the Gary Glitter song that's even worse well, imagine him doing that when he's sort of it, it, I'll be rocking in your stocking <laughs> you won't believe your big blue eyes I think eyes. it was Hoodie who pointed out he was walking down the road he said he heard a Christmas song he hasn't heard in years he's like oh that's interesting why haven't I heard that song it was Rock and Roll Christmas yeah. he said why haven't I heard Rock and Roll Christmas for years why? Why wouldn't? Why has nobody played that for so long? Is it? Did it go? Oh, glitter! <laughs> it's glitter. It's the yeah. glitter effect. Yeah. Presents underneath the tree. You're never gonna guess what you got for me. <laughs> <laughs> but don't tell really. the police. I oh, realised then, in like the build-up to this show, that we were talking about what we were going to chat about because we do we do plan some of it, believe it or not. Uh, that very all of the Christmas songs I like most aren't actually Christmas songs. Yeah, they're like songs that were released at Christmas and have bells and stuff in them. Yeah, yeah, actually. yeah. Like um, East Seventeen, Stay Another Day. That's a strong, which is it's a strong Christmas. Well, it's not, but at Christmas it's okay. The good- and um, of course, Power of Love. The, yeah, Power of the Love. best Christmas songs yeah. ever. And um, as I said earlier, uh, Mr. Blobby as well. That's yeah, yeah. Don't, don't forget, don't forget Blobby. And this year we got sort of Mr. Blobby again. Back I mean, one, at Christmas one. you got <laughs> at Christmas you got obviously you got Richards. 
Richards. <laughs> you, 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 you've gone into that. Have you? <laughs> you got, you, you got Oi, Richards. You got, no. Rich, you got Richards. Richards. You got, you got 17. Yeah. You got Frankie. And you got Blobby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or, or Cardinal. The, the, tell you what you never hear now the Darkness is Christmas song. Everybody's well, no, like, I've been every, playing quite everybody's a bit, like, the darkness were like some comedy <laughs> butlins act. I like that. No, yeah, and, no. and everybody realised it this year. Now I've been playing no, it a couple of a couple of times, and I think that's a, that's gonna be a lasting Christmas. I song. think it's alright that song. I don't it's think it's gonna over. always be like it's not gonna be massive puppet, yeah. but they will be able to live off it for the rest yeah. of their lives. Yeah. That's the one thing. I mean, that's the beautiful oh, yeah. thing. I mean, Oh, right. All Christmas I want to do is be able to life. write one Christmas song oh, and retire on that. Well, imagine the money. Every Christmas, Carrie must just, must just sit down by her Christmas tree, just collecting yeah. shit. Exactly, yeah. I wrote one this year called Vilma the Xmas Goldfish. Right. Because I thought, you know, there's. You might want to do something a little bit more commercial, maybe. Yeah. Well, there's Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer and there's Frosty the Snowman. So yeah. I thought, if I just write one of those. That, that, that sounds to be up there as this, this, uh, this week's number 66, which is, which is use my <laughs> <coughs> as a. <coughs> and I can't really oh, yes, use indeed. the. Fill in the blanks. Yeah. K in the gang. K in the gang. Let's yeah. put it that way. It's um All I want for Christmas is a really, really good Christmas song. Mm, it's like it a is, great yeah. Christmas video. A strong too. video. A strong, incredibly it's like the most Christmassy Christmas video. Mm. It's just Mariah Carey frolicking in the snow with her with her dogs. Yeah. And she like, looks pretty good at that as well. She oh she Mariah, Mariah Carey was lovely. Yeah. You, can you believe that song was sixteen years ago? Really? That long. Really? Sixteen, nineteen ninety four. Jesus. Yeah. I weren't even born then. <laughs> yeah. No, I won't say anything. I know what yours. Your also, we we, Tim, we uncovered um, a Christmas conspiracy the other day, didn't we? Did we? Oh. Yeah, Christmas conspiracy. The um something I never realised was that Alan Jones. Oh yeah. Didn't ah. record "Walking in the Air." Yeah, yeah. Well, he wasn't the guy who sung it originally. Oh no, he 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 in did the, it. In the the art, he did it after. His is in the his, film. His is he, a cover no. version. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Alex, he's he's not Mas- one going, Yeah, yeah, I knew that, but none of us, none of the rest of us did. Oh, right. That's funny because you say that, and and when when uh, we were putting our Christmas tree up, we had the old, we were putting an MTV or whatever the channel was, and they had the hundred. Christmas songs, yeah. ten Christmas songs, whatever it was. You know, in a music and video it was has no clips, exactly, and it had no okay. clips. And I said to Charlet, I said to my wife, I wonder why it's got not got any clips of the snowman in it. And it's that just must him be why. walking on some hills in Wales or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought it was, a, it was a guy named Alty. Did he not yeah. rise right. to fame because he did it live once and it was from know, that, or it was televised and then it was picked up? In any case, he covered it, and oh man, that must really grind Alty's gears. Yeah, Alty's not I think I knew about that because it was in one of those. You know, Channel 4 always do the top 100 whatever. I think it might have been like top 100 Christmas moments or whatever. Yeah. And the snowman was in it. And yeah. they had an interview with Alan Jones. And and that's that's how I knew. Joan, Jones has got his, his, his sweet gig on praise. He's all right. He's, he? he's on songs of praise. He's loving it. He's collecting his songs of praise checks. He's got his sweet he, gig. Jones has got his sweet gig on praise. He's on praise. All he's sitting there. All he's sitting there in his office. He's like, oh, slashing his sell, selling insurance. Yeah. Oh man, I, I was. I, I could have been. I, I could have been on songs of praise. I could have been Jones. Uh, I could. That could have been me up there. In fact, if you know. Him, please get him, get him to get in touch with us. Yeah, we'd love to we'll speak interview. To we'll yeah. we'll yeah. interview. We'll interview. I could get him to record uh, Vilma the Xmas Golfer. Yeah. There you go. To turn his whole life around. It, it could be yeah. his comeback. Yeah. Hmm. So, what was what was my favourite song? You're a Wham fan, aren't you, Tim? Oh, I, I think that's all right. Can... The Wham song, yeah, oh. yeah. No, I think that's that's all right. I think you're gonna say something. See, else. The video <laughs> for that's a really bad video. <laughs> what is? Oh, it's Wham It's a strong video where he's giving her a rape stare across the table. It's strong. He's got some strong hair as well. Yeah. sinister staring in yeah. a lot of Christmas music videos <laughs> Michael in that video has got some strong hair it's, and he basically it's when he had his Princess Diana cut yeah the whole video is held together by the 
will of his hair. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is an amazing haircut. And at the end, where they all get off the old. Um, is it a monorail cable car yeah, or something? Car, yeah. And then they, uh, he gets off and he comes off at the end and he's got his arm around his, his woman and you can see he's looking a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> but unfortunately, <laughs> they, they cut straight away to black. Yeah, so so everyone could continue believing. Could stay out, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't mind Wham. I yeah. think it's all right. I think I it's think, all right. I think Pogues is probably my favourite, but I do like a bit of Step Into Christmas. Bit of Elton John. Who's that? Elton John. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, Elton's Christmas song, I'm not so keen on. I don't mind Elton's song. See, I like a bit of Elton John. John Lennon did a Christmas song, (laughs) which was um, a bit confrontational, because it was like, so this is Christmas, what have you done? Yeah. It was like, it's, it's not a great Christmas song, it's a little bit feisty. Yeah. I don't mind, I don't mind Lennon, so it's all right up until the point where... Where Yoko joins in, then it all gets a bit like cat's choir. Then everyone, yeah. everyone talks a lot of shit on Yoko, but uh, like I say, the fact is Yoko is now the coolest person to ever have sung with the Beatles. <laughs> she is like she's the only one of the Beatles who conducts herself with dignity and poise. Yeah, the, the, the rest of the Beatles get uh, when when Paul McCartney and uh, Ringo came up on stage at E3 oh. in a flurry oh, of air guitar, going horrid. yeah. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting there watching it, going, I love these guys. Please don't embarrass yourselves any further. Come on, guys, you can nasty. do it. Meanwhile, Yoko's actually got quite a lot of dignity, you know? Yeah. Oh, wow. And if you follow her on Twitter, she'll follow you back. Really? That's interesting thing about it, yeah. yeah. Oh, man, that'd be nice to be followed by Yoko, Right. We can get her as an Xbox follower. She pays someone to follow him back. Of course, she, uh, she can't be operating around the Twitter feed, can but, she? But you do get sort of 0.1% of a second thinking, wow, Yoko Ono's following me. I'm no. friends with um, with Bennett from Commando on Twitter, on um, Facebook. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He Brilliant. And I, does he follow you back? Does he? Yeah. Well, oh. you, on Facebook, you, you add them, and he. Oh, sorry, Facebook. Sorry, so, sorry, sorry. So yeah. I, I, I sent him a yeah. request, and he, you friend. Brilliant. Him. It feels pretty good. Does he? Uh, what does he at date with? I just he does like a lot of convention and stuff. So he often, right. it's like, and he's like, um, he's he's he just like lives with his family. So right. he's like always showing off his family, and oh, so okay. he's having a good old time, you know. Just like he's just like a guy. He's just a regular guy. Nice. Like and guy, to be uh, honestly, he looks. Stronger and healthier than Arnold does these days. Oh, Arnold's a state. P- politics will to add like I mean, look, um, Obama's been in charge for two yeah. years, and he looks like he's aged twenty. Like when you do politics for a living, man, does it age you? Yeah, he's only about sixty-six, sixty-seven. He anyway. is, but like Sly's an old guy as well. Yeah. I tell you what, Sly must have loved making the Expendables. Yeah, when he walks into the church. With him and Willis, they're having a chat, and then Arnold comes in, limping, yeah. dragging in his, a s- his suit that's oh. like too too big for him. It felt I felt so bad for Arnold because that that wasn't the Arnold I wanted to see. No. I wanted to see Arnold at the peak. Back, his, yeah. yeah. The thing with Sly is that his face is all a bit, <laughs> but like physically, you're right. He's, he's just amazing condition. Yeah, for, yeah, considering that guy, how old that guy is, what a yeah. horse of a man he is. That's what Arnold should be like, but instead he's just like a shell of a man. Well, he's been doing politics, you know, you can't spend all day on the, on the you know, the bench yeah. uh, when, you're, when you're... He's more like Blowhard the Barbarian these days, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Almost worked. Christmas movies, though. Christmas yeah. movies, yeah. Good segue there. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, am I right in understanding, because uh, my missus follows you on Twitter, and apparently last, last night you convinced Mrs. W to watch... Uh, a certain Christmas film, is that right? Oh uh, well, we didn't watch Die Hard in the end. Listen, uh, I don't need to convince her to do anything. <laughs> she's a big, she's a big action movie Fair fan. Enough. So Die, Die Hard. We watched. I thought, uh, I thought you were saying I don't need to convince her to do anything. I just come in and I put it on. <laughs> yeah. If she doesn't like it, you can go do the dishes. Yeah, I like hit her. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> Die no, Hard we, is, uh, is on, uh, one of our Christmas Day movies, along with uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Die, Die Hard. I've never is. seen Nightmare Before Christmas. No, no it's not that good. It. 
That's my that's Weaver's opinion. So right. oh, and also quite probably um, Home Alone. Mm. Yeah, that's all right. Home Alone. Yeah, Scrooged. I watched last night. That, that's yeah. definitely on my list. Yeah, that's a good movie. Not as not as funny as I remembered it being, but but I I did remember it being hilarious. It was like funny, but not. What about Christmas Vacation? Are you? Uh... Mm. It's not one of the proper no, vacations. It's, it's not. kind of it's like there's a the later vacations, and it's not. Kind it's of, it's, it's not all right. It's all right. Oh, oh, it's hard. How much you love? You it's love hard to Kevin. it's hard to compete with the greatest comedy film ever made, which is National Lampoon's Vacation, of course. So it's not going to be. It's not going to be as good as that. I worry that it's not though. I worry that maybe it's rubbish in the same way that Christmas. What vacation? Mm. No. No. Whenever you did you last watch it? Um, about a month ago. I saw okay. Vacation this year. Because I, wa- I didn't watch Christmas Vacation for a couple of years, and I was raving about it. I said to my girlfriend, I said, oh, you're going to love it. Because I watched one. it last year, because you guys told me to. Yeah, and, then... and I was saying to my girlfriend, I was saying, let me tell you, this is going to be an education. It's, this is gonna be, <laughs> this, this, is, this film's going to show you how it's done. But they're family films, those later ones. Which yeah, yeah they so are. so complete. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I first saw European Vacation, I just thought, this is like the closest... America has got to have a carry on, you know. It had breasts in it, and yeah. you know, lots of f- filthy sex jokes. It was an adult comedy, yeah. and they just turned it into this sort of churning out. That's right, know, yeah. The, the, we'll the, get, the first one, name Quaid, and go gambling somewhere. Yeah. And just when, when I saw the film, like when I, we all sat and watched it with my girlfriend, halfway through the film, I was sitting there feeling really uncomfortable. I was like, "Oh shit, I've made a real big mistake here. <laughs> I've hyped this thing up." And there was nothing. Type is a bad movie. Yeah. Mm. So I, I'm worried if I watch Summer va- you know, Vacation again. No, Vacation that. holds up because I saw it this year for the first you, time. Euro- European great. Vacation. I know Jem likes it. I'm not a big fan of that. No. I, I literally I literally like the first one and none of the others. Isn't the f- Griff Reese Jones in European Vacation? No, Mel Smith. Is Mel Smith, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. The, f- the first one is... The voice of Santa in uh, the Father Christmas. Very good Father yeah. Christmas, he mm. was, yeah. Booming. Mm. So, yeah, yeah the, first <laughs> one's, the first one's awesome. Yeah, awesome o'clock. Yeah, but uh, but the others. But not it's not festive though. If you have to, you need a Christmas movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street is a good Christmas movie. Yeah, that is good. Even the remake, the remake's good as well because Attenborough's very washable as Santa. Yeah, he's all right. Yeah, Elf isn't a good Christmas movie. It's smug. <laughs> I don't smug. like Feral. I can't watch. I I wouldn't watch it. No, I can't stand it. But most modern Christmas movies are just smug. Yeah, they don't do like they don't do fun Christmas movies. They just do smug Christmas movies now. I don't. I can't really think of any like specifically set at Christmas movies apart from Die Hard and Scrooge that I really, really like. I tell you what, like the eighties was a really, really great decade for family film. If you go like, I think as Matt Castle pointed out to me the other day, like you got Gremlins, you got Indiana Jones, you got Back to the Future, Home Alone. Home Alone. It's like it's, it's a really was great Home Alone decade. For, yeah, it, it would have been made in eighty nine in that case. So almost, almost gets by. Ah, you know. Actually, can, maybe two was ninety-one. Maybe it was eighty-nine. We can, we can figure out. We can, we can. It was a long time ago. Let's it was say a that. long time ago, man. God, that means like, think about it for a second. That means Colkin is like, like, gotta be Old. like thirty-two or something at this point. Nothing more being thirty-two. No, I agree. It's not. But I, I, it's everyone in the world. He's like eternally a child, basically. Hmm. He's, he's always the kid in Home Alone. You know, Home Alone Two was weak. I can't remember it. It was even worse video game as well, I remember, on the uh, Mega Drive. THQ made it. Back when THQ were peddlers of the worst games in the world, people people who are newer to games might not realise that THQ, back in the SNES days, were a company that only made bad games. Mm. They made a game based on Jeopardy. They made a game based (laughs) on Home Improvement, the Home Improvement TV show with Tim Allen. They made a video game based on it. They made a video game based on all these different shows, like Time Tracks. And famously, Time Tracks was their first good game. Everything they made was like 
magazines would review them and give them like the 19%. That was THQ, that was the foundation of their business. And over time, somehow, they beat all of the publishers who were doing good stuff. Virgin Inter Interactive, they died. Um, Psygnosis, they died. Well, mm. sort of became Sony Liverpool and you know, other stuff. And, uh, and DMA, whatever. They, they, grand, they, they All these companies which fell by the wayside, the one company which endured was the company which made the worst games Do you know the what world. the secret of their success was? What was that? The WWF license. Yeah, you're not wrong, but Acclaim had that for a long time. Yeah, but as soon as THQ got it, that was when they entered the, in quote-unquote, big time. Yeah. Was because, you know, back... You go back sort of five or six, maybe seven years. And that's what killed Acclaim as well, losing that WWF stroke WWE was massive, like massive. Smackdown for, on the PS2 was yeah. so big. And like on the N64, you had to have No Mercy. You yeah. had to have WrestleMania. And that was, that was I think that was the sort of foundation of their business because you're right, they were a laughing stock. They were a joke company. Yeah. A comedy company. Like Acclaim, they were another laughing stock. Yeah. They were just, until they... They, until they had they, the Mortal Kombat license stuff. They, yeah, they had the Midway's licences, so. which yeah. really, really helped them smash yeah. TV and that. But they had all sorts of shat as well. We must be able to come up with some Christmas movies that are actually like quality flicks. I mean, Wonderful well, Life is obviously a really great flick. I collect versions of A Christmas Carol. I have pretty much, you know, yeah, you were 95% of every version ever made, silent version. Mm -hmm. Scrooged is probably equal best, I'd say, with uh, Scrooge, the musical, the Albert Finney one, which I absolutely love. I think that's brilliant. I'm not a big musicals fan, but every song on that is, is fantastic. Where do you stand on Muppet Alec Christmas Guinness Carol? Well. Muppet Christmas Carol, again, is unbeatable. I mean, it is, they're, they're yeah. kind of, I can't really choose between them. It's fantastic. And if you want to have it pure, you know, as close to the book as possible, you've got the old Patrick Stewart one yeah. we were talking about yesterday. Yeah, with, there's a lot with of a McNulty in it. There are so really? many. Yeah. I have seen, it's because I'm obsessed, I have seen every no. every version. I'm talking about a Diva's Christmas Carol and Mrs. Scrooge kind of straight to DVD. The porn version. There is a porn version called Passions of Carol. <laughs> is there? Yeah. Really? Which I haven't seen. That's one of the few I haven't tracked down. Uh, right. That's a weak name. You could have come up with a better name. Yeah. It's a weak idea, name. actually, because yeah. you'd think if you were going to do a porn Christmas Carol, you'd have a male Scrooge. You know what I would call with it? With a different Scrooge. types of <laughs> ladies coming in. Better. It's, what? Spooge. <laughs> Fair enough, I haven't heard that word before. But yeah, it's actually about a woman who runs a porn mag and she loses interest in sex and then lots of different oh, ghosts so come along. Oh, so the ghosts come in and reintroduce her to... Yeah. Like, remember, the ghost of Christmas past, well, the, he takes her back and says, you used to love the cock, look at, look at you. <laughs> look at you. Basically, yes. And, she, and she's like, I did, I did. And, and then she bones the ghost, right? That's kind of how I imagine it. Like I said, I haven't seen it yet, but yeah. I will have to track that down at some point. And I'm sure it will be, you know, better than Jim Carrey's version. The Jim, oh, I'll tell you what's a really right. smug movie, The Grinch. Uh, oh, Ron, yeah, is it Ron yeah. Howard's Grinch yeah, movie? Yeah. Oh, God, man, that is a smug. It's a very... Um, the proper versions are right, the cartoon. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, good, yeah. The, but um, not the Jim Carrey one. Who's the guy who writes The Grinch? Dr. Seuss. Yeah, Dr. Seuss. It's a very sort of American, very American. thing, that, though, isn't it? It's like, I know that it's probably got some Kids followers here. Kids up on Dr. Seuss. Yeah. That's right. Whereas here it was a bit more... And the the twat and the hat as well. It was Mike Myers one. That was that mm. was awful as well. Mm. I wasn't really Christmassy, but it was also Doctor Seuss. Yeah. See, our our equivalent of like the Grinch is still Christmas. Basically, the cartoon that gets shown every year would be the Snowman. Yeah. yeah. The snowman's a <clears throat> strong, strongishment. Yeah, the Snowman's a good show. Um, and I think I probably said before, very uh, upsetting. Deeply yeah. upsetting, traumatizing. Yeah. Until you find out that, in fact, he, he comes to life every time he builds a snowman. Yeah. In, uh, in, in the Father Christmas. In the Father Christmas one, Briggs wrote Father Christmas, and then uh, 
it turns out he said, you know, he's, it's a year later and he's built, because the boy's still young, so it's got to be a year later. Yeah. And Santa's like, oh, I'm glad you could make it again this year. And he built him again with the snowman. Snowman's there and he's and snowman's brought the boy back to see Santa in Lapland again. I like that. Nice. That, uh, that warmed the cockles of my yeah, heart. Yeah, it did, yeah. It really did. Yeah. Have we got any questions this week? or No, uh, no questions. <laughs> Oh, Everyone's on Christmas holiday. It's a bit of a man. slightly uncomfortable situation then. So, um, right, no, no questions. Yeah. Um, okay. I thought we had something else we were going to chat about. But I, uh, I think we've forget. pretty much exhausted the uh, the Christmas films and music. Were we not going to chat about the games over? I guess not. Oh yeah, we were. Gaming Christmas. Chat, yeah, 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 what games yeah. are we going to play at Christmas? Because obviously we have like a week off, and it's perfect time to sit down and get really into get into jiggy with title. it yeah yeah. we don't get to play side. games like regular people we don't get to like mull over them and chew on them and spend a nice long time masticating them we have to we have to belt from one game to another to another so you don't really get to really really invest in a game really invest in an experience which is why Christmas is the perfect time to play a, a big meaty mm. satisfying game last year for me it was Uncharted 2 a great Christmas game this year Assassin's Creed Brotherhood been saving it. Been saving it for Christmas. Good choice. Uh, and on my, on my evenings, I'm going to be playing a lot of Battlefield because my friends will be playing Battlefield, playing Vietnam. Oh man, that's a good game. Yeah. I mean, that's ridiculous. It's the kind of game that makes you want to write a letter to Dice and thank them right. for investing so much into this DLC. It makes every other piece of DLC for every other shooter look like a comedy, like bundle. Right. It's like you, we're paying the same for Vietnam that you pay for. Three uh, maps. Uh, so, like four map, five maps on Call of Duty. You have five maps in the Vietnam bundle. All new weapons, all new assets, all new class. Well, not all new classes, but slightly tweaked classes. New music. New oh, loads and loads of music. You've got this massive, massive bundle of stuff. Just a completely re different game. Completely different balance. Completely differently structured. Plays out differently. Like the helicopters feel completely different. The vehicles feel completely different. Meanwhile, over on Call of Duty, you've got a five map bundle. Three of them are remakes. Have that. See you later. Thanks for the money. It's like, it really makes you think, you know what, this is the way DLC should be done. When you sit there thinking about what DLC should be as like, you know, a, you know, a real expansion to the game, a real bonus, a real asset, something you really, really want. Like, people buy the Call of Duty map packs because they want more Call of Duty, and that's cool. But you kind of buy them because you feel you have to. Your friends are going to get them. You've got these new maps you want to play with your friends, so you got to grab the new maps. But this one, you that you spend the money on that, you don't begrudge them a penny of it. Mm. Whenever I bought a Call of Duty map, I've been a Call of Duty man for a long time until Battlefield came along, uh, but Battlefield Bad Company 2, you always sort of begrudge them the money. You always like were glad to get the new maps, but you always begrudge them that big, that big spend. But I, I, after three games of Battlefield last night, I had had my money's worth from it. It's, it's amazing. That's my evening game. My daytime game is going to be a bit of brotherhood. That's a, a nice meaty experience to get lost in, you know? Uh, well, um, I'm probably going to play, finally play Black Ops because Hoodie's given it to me. And you're going to have a family Christmas, right? So a lot of Connect. So it'll be a lot of Connect. I'm also going to re replay Hitman Blood Money because... Oh, that's a great Christmas level. Win. And because I haven't... Um, we were talking about it in the office about, uh, about a month ago and... Uh, even though I know it so well, Alex Dale, who's also a big Hitman fan, sort of started talking about it, and I literally couldn't remember the level he was talking about. Which one? Uh, <laughs> I can't even remember <laughs> which one it was. literally couldn't remember the level. But anyway, he was talking about a level. I, I, having played the game, and I still couldn't remember it, so he, he said, oh, I'll lend you it. So he's lent me Hitman, so I'm probably going to play Hitman. I might play that over and above 
Black Ops. I, Black Ops is like a game that I feel I should play, but I don't. I'm really that excited about it. So I'll probably play Hitman and Connect. Well, enough times have passed now with Hitman. Like we've all got such fond memories. But it's exactly. Nice to just, yeah. Because that's. I think that's why I like I think, Dead Rising too. Because enough time enough about it. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Same I here. I think I forgot. I started playing replaying Braid the other day for something, and I realised <coughs> I'd forgotten yeah. enough about what the, my first playthrough. That all the puzzles were new to me. Okay. And that's the thing, it'd be nice to play Hitman like that. Yeah, I mean, and that's why I think when Dead Rising 2 came out this year, which, by the way, is going to be one of the games I play over Christmas because Case West is coming. Um, and although I played it through on, on Debug, obviously I haven't touched the retail version. Mm. So I'm going to play that, do things a bit different to, to what I did for a review. Um, my big Christmas game, I'm hoping, will be Fallout 3 because I remember playing Fallout 3 for about it, right? two hours and yeah. then I stopped because Oblivion's like my favourite game on the console um, and I thought Fallout 3 would be more of the same and it wasn't and I think if I get back into it now I'll, I'll have a great time um, but I, I need to finish off things like Alan Wake DLC hey, well, and that, Mass that Effect that DLC engine's going to look old at this point oh, I know, I know real well because well, I played New Vegas a few months back and that was dated like day yeah. one that was dated yeah so i i'm not expecting it to look incredible or, or even play amazing but yeah fallout 3 i think for me that's interesting interesting choice well, what about you Jim? as you know i've been uh, living in a flat for the last three years with somebody who's got who had amazing setup we go in the front room there was a wii and 360 and that's basically what i've been using for gaming at home for ages uh, and he moved out about a month ago, so I've been took his toys with him. Exactly. So I've been waiting for the sales because I'm a pauper. Um, so basically, I, I'm off for the weekend, and the second I get back to uh, a place with shops like Bath, I'm getting myself maybe a Connect bundle, but it's certainly not. I'm so your Christmas gaming nice is going to be an assault on the stores, uh, and and just basically. I know. To I've already know what I'm playing. Fend off. Scary women. We'll tell you what. Women get scary at Christmas sales, man. Not for a not for an Xbox 360. Though. Not after Christmas. Maybe because, like, anyone buying it after Christmas will be getting it for themselves. Mm. So uh, mm. at least it'll be an equal fight. But yeah, I'm getting I'm getting myself a brand new 360 and Fable 3. Because you're doing so the trilogy in reverse, aren't you? Basically. Yeah. Well, that's the <laughs> thing. No, I mean I played Fable 2 for about five hours or so. And then, you know, life just overtook me and I didn't actually, you know, really get enough it, far enough into it. So, yeah, I'm starting with Fable 3 and then just sort of going backwards in time until it sort of disappears into medievalness. I got my girlfriend Fable 3 for Christmas. Which really? I can, I can say confidently because she doesn't listen to this podcast. She's like, screw your podcast. <laughs> listen to that sh shit. I hear, hear enough of you at home. But, I mean, I, you know, part of me is buying it, obviously, for the amazing voice cast. I'm very easily swayed by some... Uh, some nice comic icons turning up and everything. But I just, I mean, I loved, I really did love Fable 2, and it's just one of those that's really been been kicking myself about not t not totaling it, you know, not completely being a master of it by now. Fable, so, Fable when 3 I come is back, a big Christmas game. Big, yeah, weighty yeah, Christmas yeah. game. Yeah. I, See, I thought Fable 2 was even more Christmassy. But, well, it uh, begins with that lovely snow. Exactly, that's, yeah. the thing, that's what I kind of think of when it comes to... to I really want to... Want Mike to record the moment when he gives his girlfriend one present and then she opens it and it has promo coffee splashed across the front. <laughs> hey, no, I actually bought that thing. I actually bought it. So that's a legit coffee because I couldn't like a present. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, uh, thanks for listening to this mammoth podcast. I think we've been going hour thirty two minutes forty two. So you had to have this um, really I've this felt time well, that, two and a half. Yeah, because we're gonna have to put it up this afternoon. So if anyone was to swear, I needed to write down the exact time right, that they yeah. saw. So and one the, person. This is the did. closest to live this podcast yeah, has ever been. Yeah. yeah. 
So, uh, is, so we're recording on Wednesday. It's going up on Wednesday. And the Hopefully. time is yeah. just coming up to 18 <laughs> minutes past 12. We, uh, we hope you've enjoyed listening to it. Uh, we hope you have a wonderful Christmas. We hope you enjoyed listening to us all year and hope you'll come yeah. back next year too. And uh, thank you for, for everyone out there who goes out and buys the mag on a regular basis. We really appreciate it. Every single copy really makes a difference. So thank you. We always love to hear from you as well. So please, please, please do get in contact with us uh, through the various medium we have. Uh, we'd love to hear from you uh, and we will always try and respond where we can. So thanks for listening this year. Have a great Christmas. Have a fantastic new year and we'll see you in 2011. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Merry Xmas. Bye. Bye.